Hey man, I'm starting to see the body positive chick. I'm starting to hear notes singing in the background. You hear that? But folks don't understand what that means. Well, you'll find out the next episode. <laughs> so all yeah. I can say is, on this episode, enjoy this. Some of you've been asking for years for an episode like this. Well, you're gonna get it. <laughs> but as with anything, you know, there's there's a price to pay to get something that you really really want. So anyhow, you know the show, you know the guys, and um, hey man, we got um, a good friend on the show today, man. I, the time is perfect to have this guest on our show, man. And uh, like I say, you folks will figure out why pretty soon, soon enough. <laughs> yeah, without without being too ominous, without being too ominous, this is the last guest we're ever going to have on the show. And we'll talk more about what that means when Sincere and I do. We're going to do another show. We're just Sincere and myself together because that's the way we started the show. And that's the way we're going to finish off and? the show. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> Rise of sunset, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about all that. But just to be real clear, no falling out or bad blood between me and Sincere. We were good friends before this we ever started fake, doing the show. This is not fake laughter yeah. in the background right here. This is not, this is not like the final <laughs> season of Martin. This is not the final season of Martin where you're talking about him and Tisha, him and Pam, you know, and, and Gina still cool. It's like, no, they shot those things separately. No, it's not like that, man. <laughs> but at the same time. We don't want to go out like the last show, the last episode of The Sopranos either. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, about that. I'm one of them. So <laughs> let's just say this is going to end up like Spartacus. Okay. So and what better way? Well, Spartacus didn't all, end man. well. <laughs> Spart- the first season of Spartacus ended well. After the, the second season was great yeah, too. But after that, <laughs> yeah, 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 it started going down the wayside. But anyway, Steve Cotter's on, obviously. All three of us have been good friends for a long time. I've known Steve forever. I, I, I was I actually taught at the RKC back in 2003 that he attended, and everybody was impressed with him. So we we all knew that he was a special talent, and he was going to go on to do some cool stuff. But none of us knew the level of development he was going to have in the years to come. So Steve, man, welcome to the show. It's going to be fun. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Mike. Thank you, sincere. Great, great connecting with you guys, man. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. One of my funniest stories about you, Steve, is I remember years ago on a message board, I think it was Iron Garm, pretty sure it was Iron Garm, and this, this predates social media, and you were debating with some people on there, and, and one guy told you, I don't even remember who, he goes, well, you know, you could probably kick my ass, so uh, I'm not going to say anything more, and then your response was very cryptic and to the point, not probably, it's a certainty. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I always thought that was so fucking funny, man, because <laughs> I could just imagine. And then um, someone else jumped on, and I forget who, and he's like, man, you know, given given Steve's abilities, if I were that other guy, I'd be pissing in my pants right now. <laughs> I was a feisty, I was a feisty young guy. <laughs> well, you were always a very nice guy, but you weren't a guy that was going to let people push you around. And then if, if, it, if you, I think your attitude was always, the worst case scenario we can go to is a fist fight, and if you want to go there, I'm down. You know that was always my impression, but you didn't. You, you weren't the guy to make it go there. Nah, man, I don't have any. You know, I don't have any qualms with anybody, really. I like to just live a simple life, you know, and right keep myself. And um, sometimes people don't don't uh, have that same value, though. Sometimes people want right. to push and push, so you have to decide how you're going to handle it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yep. yeah, you know, looking back, I was I was pretty immature in a lot of regards. You know, when I started. Yeah, we all we all were. Yeah, profession. we all were. Yeah. So uh, and also we came along at a time when, you know, internet was in is still 
you know, infancy, but more specifically, yeah. social media was brand new. It was just starting right. at the time. And our connection through Dragon Door, they were one of the very first to take fitness and promote it over the internet. Right. You know, so um, navigating the social media and not really understanding it, that's, that can be a very volatile cocktail, you know, because oh, now we're smart enough to know, like, if you put something on the internet, it's not going to go away forever. Yeah, it's permanent. <laughs> so you yeah. Wanna, you, you wanna, delete the tweet all you want, but somebody screenshot it because they're, they're messy little bitches like that. They're like, oh, let me screenshot <laughs> exactly. this before you delete it. <laughs> because exactly. they have the notifications so, on, so they're waiting for every little thing you put out there. So they're waiting, man. All, yeah, all you got standing. Living out loud. Yeah. Right. Now, all you guys sending unsolicited dick pics to women who don't want to receive it, keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, they can, oh, they can take – They're actually they chicks now, they're actually, chicks now that actually, like, post that stuff now. Like, they'll put it on their Instagram. Exactly. Like, all the stuff these guys yeah. put on DM, somebody, the, the douchebag DM of the week. And they'll post this oh, stuff with their names. And, yep. and Mike, honestly, a lot of times it's, 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 it's your other half-brothers most of the time. It's some dude from India. Unless you ha- unless you're a uh, ambitious politician, <laughs> you know. Right. If, right. If you if you're thinking on you know running for public office, <laughs> you might uh, yeah you might want to run that yeah, by just, your I don't know man I don't know these days now with the way things are going now it's like oh well this guy's running for president you know he posted a dick pic once he's like yeah and am I the only one in America yeah. and then all these other guys like you know he's got my vote. You know, I'm doing this for all the guys in Dick Picks. Well, who are you going to vote for? The guy that's going to grab them? The guy that's going to grab exactly. them in the crotch or the one that's going to send the dick pit? Like, which one do you feel more comfortable exactly. voting for? <laughs> it depends. You know, he's speaking to the same voter. He's speaking to the same voter because there are guys out there that do the same thing on both ends. of it. like, oh, he, you he, got my vote. No he, here's, here's the real problem with. And they're the head of the committee. That's responsible for overseeing the whole thing. That's what's scary. Now, here, here, here's the real problem. Problem with unsolicited dick pics. What makes you think that any woman in the world is going to respond favorably? Where do you think that's going to go? You think she's going to look at your nasty ass sauce and be like, "Oh wow, I want that"? <laughs> look, dude, and trust me, any woman that says that, like, that's not the woman you. Oh, want. did I rent? Did I enter the so wrong guess what? Code? You're not the first one. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, if she responds favorably, I'd be more worried. I'd be like, "Oh shit!" But then I get myself into or here. If I have one have one of comparable size and be like oh well let me show you show me yours let me show you mine and now it's t- total plot twist going on right now well and also let me give the other side of the coin men aren't the only ones who are doing this women are doing some stuff that's on par to men as well and Watch i've that. been the recipient recipient of that <laughs> okay so i know this for a fact <laughs> dick pics and swatch shots that all of these just right for... <laughs> oh is, is that why i'm canceling my instagram yes that is why <laughs> 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 That's just on your membership alone. <laughs> In my mind, I think it's probably Ken sending me these pics to try to see what I'm going to do. So it's like this has got this has got to be a guy doing this, just trying to fuck with me. It's like, hey, let's send Mike some snatch pics and see what he does with this. <laughs> kind of shit, guys. It's do. a lifetime <laughs> membership, you know. You might want to rethink the policy on that. <laughs> oh man. So, Steve, yeah, let's, so, talk about, uh, let's talk about some early day stuff, man, because I've known you since 2003. Obviously, a lot of people know about your history with Dragon Door. We can talk about some of that. But I'm more curious about what you were doing before you ever 
came on Dragon Doors Radar before you even thought about being a kettlebell instructor? You know, actually, I mean, I was a poor white child, basically, <laughs> hmm. you know, and um, <laughs> so I found my way into the martial arts. I uh, came out to California in 82 with my older brothers who were my, my uh, they took legal guardianship. So I was basically, uh, you know, starting seventh grade, 12 years old with no adult supervision because my brothers were in their early 20s at this time. And, uh, you know, n- no adult supervision during the day. So I ended up, you know, by, by um, what was it? The Probably the last three months of seventh grade, I just decided I wasn't going to go to school anymore, right? <laughs> so I was, like, leaving the house in the morning, and then I'd go with a jar full of, you know, quarters <laughs> and hang out at the arcade for three or four hours. I'd just play the games that I was really good at, you know, so one yeah. quarter would last me an hour and a half or something. And, um, you know, Donkey Kong Jr. and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I was doing martial arts. I was doing martial arts in the evening, you know. And yeah. so then when it came time that I'm I'm a little older now, you know, now I'm married for the first time. And I and I have, um, you know, baby on the way. Or first, now I have three, three grown kids. But, you yeah. know, we're talking at this point um, – 90 you know mid 90s still early 90s or late mid to late 90s and then you know i'm doing the martial arts that's my first job and then all of a sudden i realize when i'm 27 years old okay i'm not going to be running a martial arts school as my career for the rest of my life so now what do i right so well i like training so i went went the college route you know did the community college which in california that's one of the greatest features of living in California. If you're a California resident, you're paying like pennies on the dollar for right you know, for universe, you know. Right. Uh and because it's Southern California, you can go to community colleges and still have very high level professors because they can they can work live anywhere. They'd rather live in SoCal, right? Yeah. Right. You know? So it was Makes a good sense. deal. So I went through the program kinesiology, San Diego State, got my degree two thousand one. Then it was like, oh well I I'll go into personal training, right? That's that's the path. So I did that for a while, but I didn't love it. You know, I wasn't into like putting towels. You know, I was the new guy, so like you know, uh, stocking towels and walking around <laughs> trying to sell, you know, <laughs> private training to people on their treadmill. Oh, I can help you with that, right? <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so right in this period, 2001, that's when I first. Um, started seeing the Vitalix catalog. It wasn't even a right. hard stuff. Dragon Door was the yep. Vitalix catalog. Saw yep. the, this Pavel guy. I noticed, oh, that guy, he's got a stretching. I'd seen a stretching ad. And then I started seeing the kettlebell ad. And I was like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. And I was still teaching martial arts, you know, in the park on the weekends, kind of part-time. You know, I was going to, going to university during the day. Um, so I saw the, these kettlebells. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Didn't have any money. You know, Dragon Door was like the only show in t- town. So I think it was like 100 and, what was it, like 90 bucks or 99 bucks for a 16 kilogram and like one 129 for a 24 kilogram, something like that. You know, I, right. I didn't have any right. money back then. So it took me a really long time before I decided to, you know, pony up. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was contemplating it. So I, I told some of my martial arts students, I brought it out to the park and I showed this guy. Two weeks later, he shows up at the park with two kettlebells. 
So that this was probably late 2001, early 2002. Right. That was the first time I ever touched one. Right away, I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. And yeah. um, so then I ordered my kettlebells. He burned me a copy of Pavel's, uh, you know, he, he burned me a copy of his DVD. So I followed Pavel's RKC DVD, taught myself the exercises, you know. And then I saw um, 2003, there was like a TSC. And Pavel himself came to San Diego. It was a TSC in um, Mike, Coach Mike Bergner yeah. was the host at his high school. And so I went there, and it was um, Josh Everett, who was one of the early CrossFit studs of that time, and Brett Jones. He was already an RKC guy, and Pavel was there. Pavel was the MC. So I did right. that, and, um, you know, I ended up, getting third josh got first brett got second i got third um you know so pull-ups i think you know josh everett was the best at the pull-ups for sure and and right. but i think pavel kind of was a gimme where where brett i think he got 10 but he really only did like seven good ones and his chin was like <laughs> over the bar you know pavel <laughs> gave him the rap because yeah. he's the rkc guy right so Right, they right, ended right. up getting a tie. I did, I think, eight reps, and Josh and Brett did uh, ten, and it was with a 32 around the waist, right? Okay, so that was the first event. The second event was pistols. Now, I hadn't been training pistols for years, right? But my Kung Fu days, I was doing, you know, 80 reps on a leg back-to-back. So the first in my form was, you know, I was strict. It's like your, 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 your free legs not supposed to touch the ground. Right. That's what it says. So Brett ekes out like nine, but very unstable. His foot's like hitting the ground on every rep. Pavel gives him the reps. Right. I do boom, right leg 15, bam, 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 bam. Those guys are fucking, their jaws are dropping. Right. And then I switch to my left leg nine. And then on 10, my, my free leg touched the ground. So I just stopped myself. You know, so, so anyway, that, that was, so, and Brett ended up getting like, he and I split the points on that one. Cause I got nine and he got, cause it was your, your lesser leg. Right. So I did like 15 and nine, my score is nine. So, and then it was snatch. And I think there was another tie between myself and Brett and Jot. We all got like around 32 reps. So that was the very first time I ever met Pavel. And then a uh, couple months later, that's when I went to the RKC, April 2003. So that's when we met, right? So yeah, anyway, that that's the that's the background story, which led me to you know that first RKC in in St. Paul, Minnesota, right? In the in the ghetto, <laughs> in the ghetto. <laughs> oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember so when we were there and. Uh... What was his? What was, what was that super tall guy's name? Jack. Uh, I forget his last name. Jack Myers. Jack Myers. Yeah, I remember yep, yep. there were a bunch of kids who came over who lived like in the neighborhood. One eighty. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I remember a bunch of kids came over and he told one kid, "Hey, don't touch that." And this kid goes, "You don't tell me what to do, you slim Jim eating motherfucker." Yeah, <laughs> I remember that guy. Like, that wasn't Jack, a kid. That was, that was Prince, man. Come on, y'all in Minnesota. That was Prince. That, this, this kid, yeah, this right? kid was, this was, kid was, was probably maybe just an inch or two taller than Prince. He was a really little tiny little guy. 
<laughs> yeah, this kid this kid was probably 10 years old, and he beat – I mean, in this verbal confrontation, he beat Jack's ass. I mean, he had nowhere to go. I mean, I don't know what you say to a kid who said that. So I'm not saying I would do a lot better. But but he, he, he was just totally mystified by that response. He didn't know what to do. Also the, fact that Jack's white. Also, also, the fact that Jack right, is yeah. white and this kid is black, it's not going to look yeah. good if you're telling some black kid, hey, shut the fuck up, kid. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good times, man. I felt always very safe out there. <laughs> 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 Only a couple of gunshots happened you know, in the background. You know? Yeah, I mean, so that was the divide. I was at that course. Yeah, I was at that course, and everyone knew you were a special talent because you were raw because you had just started learning kettlebells, but you had such good movement from everything you've done with martial arts. Obviously, your pistol technique was on another level. And, and you, you, you just moved in a way. Yeah, you just time. moved in a way that was special. I remember, Steve, I uh, would like to invite you back to June, our next RKC, for you to assist us. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if it works out right, then we would ask you to be a senior RKC. So that was kind yeah, of my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was before we broke it out to groups, because later, about a year later, we started breaking them into teams. So there'd be Team Mahler, Team Cotter, Team Maxwell, you know, Team right, Jones. Right, right. Um, but back then, it was still everything as a group. You know, so and he would yeah. pick, we would be picking people out from the okay, you're gonna teach <laughs> you're gonna teach this comrade how to do the swing, right? That's that was like the early days and then 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 we kinda of formed that you know, that senior RKC nucleus that went along right. you know, pretty steady for about two and a half years from that point. Right. Right. Um and then you had the, the foresight to kind of break that up. You were the first brave soldier to kind of step out of <laughs> formation. Well, actually, to be fair, <laughs> Jeff was. To be fair, Jeff was because Jeff, which really surprised true, me, because but, Jeff, but Jeff was, was the tightest out. with Pavel. Well, here's the thing: Jeff was the tightest with Pavel, Jeff Martone. So that one really surprised me because out of all the senior RKCs, those two were the best friends, Pavel and Jeff. They worked together a lot with military and so forth. And I always liked Jeff. Jeff's a great guy. But it, awesome. but Jeff, I remember when Jeff That's left, I called him up. I said, Yeah, I said, What happened, Jeff? What went down? And he basically was teaching a kettlebell course, and he had non-Dragon Door kettlebells there because there was someone. There was a local supplier. It just made sense for him to get it from a local supplier. Yep, so some definitely. guy who took the course ratted him out to Pavel, and this is the kind of organization Pavel started creating, a bunch of rat motherfuckers who would sell out anybody to move up, right? This is the beginning of that. So what happened is this guy told Pavel, oh, Jeff is promoting non-Dragon Door bells at one of his courses. Pavel calls up Jeff and says, Jeff, either you stop doing that or we're through, and he just hangs up on him. And then Jeff calls him back. He's like, don't hang up on me. No, don't call me up and just hang up on me. And uh, anyway, they had a back and forth. Long story short there, I don't, I don't want to put word. Jeff's not here to talk about this story, so I'm just yeah, recalling what he told, he told me. me. He told me the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff basically said – I mean he put Jeff in a position where the only option if you're a man with half a spine is to say F off time. You know, it's kiss my ass time, fuck off, and that's what Jeff did. And I, and I always respected Jeff a lot for that. I thought that was cool. Now, at the same time, Jeff wasn't a, a full-time coach like you and I were, so he had less to lose. You know, He already had a lot of other stuff going on. But still, he could have just been like, okay, I won't do that anymore or you know, bite his tongue and just, just to carry the course. But he said – he stood up for himself, long story short, which I really appreciated. So anyway, that was the first sign to me that there's trouble in this organization. I'm like, man, if Pubble's willing to fire Jeff like that, what makes – the rest of us think we're not totally expendable. 
And more sure. importantly, I wasn't, I wasn't happy at all teaching at the Dragon Door events. And there's a lot of reasons why, but one of the main reasons why is because I was teaching my own events and I was traveling the country teaching courses all the time and people are coming to see me. I go yeah. do Dragon Door. I'm just one of Pavel's guys. I have to wear that stupid ass Radio Shack outfit. And then I just got to fall in line with what he wants us to do. And I just wasn't feeling that. I was, I was like, I don't want to. That was cool in the beginning. But after a while, I go, I've got my own shit going on. You know, I'm making a great yeah, income traveling the country. You were the first one that figured out how to replicate the model and do it on your own. You you were at least yeah. a year year to two, to two years ahead of. And, you know, there's I'm not going to mention any names, but not every person from that original team has, has yet to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, um, that's for sure. But yeah, you were actually a model for me in the sense, like, okay, like Pablo's doing this, you know, like I could do that, and you know, maybe I as good or better than this guy, right? And can do right. the same, and you know, but you were the one to actually put that in practice, you know. So that that further that that kind of reinforced, okay, wait, Mahler. It took me a while to figure, but you were basically leveraging Dragondor from within, honestly. 100%. Like, 100% I was. Yes, yes. And, I was um, absolutely doing that. did it very yeah. skillfully because it was, yeah. you know, so <laughs> that was, I'll you know, that I'll was I'll really cool. thing I did that was clever and not to blow my own, my own ego up too much. Like, was sinister because that was the culture because it was – Basically, the early network marketing Amway meets internet meets fitness, and yeah. now you got yeah. a tool with personality that is right. unique that can drive That's it. Right. Boom, That's right. It grows fast. And back then, there was only one CrossFit, and they, they were direct yeah. competition. Yeah, I remember with that. RKC. And RKC was oh, actually yeah. bigger, and that that yeah. facilitated it was, kind it of was the, way bigger. Yeah, American way kettlebell bigger. swing, right? The American kettlebell swing article that created an entire mechanically crazy, you know, uh, exercise. <laughs> well, what, what's, what's, the name, what's the name of the guy who started CrossFit? Glassman, right? Yeah, but that yeah. was like more okay, of he, an anti-RKC article, if you really know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But Glassman, so, CrossFit at that time was five guys in a park. Because when I used to teach in the Bay Area, Glassman, he was always very nice to me. I never met him, but he was always very cordial. He would send me an email and be like, hey, man, uh, we see you're coming to the area. We'd love to have you come out and meet some of the guys here. We have this little group we call CrossFit, and I yeah. I was willing to do it. I just I just time wise I could never work it in. I go look, I'm I'm teaching this course and I got to get out of here. I got other stuff to do, but I'll, I'll I'll definitely try to come down the line. And then uh, I I did keep an eye on what it was all about, but I I I'll be perfectly honest. I had no idea that it would blow up the way it did. It didn't seem like yeah, it had yeah, that potential yeah. at all. Yeah, who yeah, would? No idea. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the great uh, success stories, you know, of all time, really. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, in internet meet fitness world, there's there's not right. even a number right. two. Like number no, two so is true. probably Dragon Door in in that sense, maybe as yeah. far as I, but numbers wise and sales. Very distant number two. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 actually, Dragon Doors is a more repeatable model because if somebody did the exact same step-by-step -step thing that Glassman has done, they would never achieve success. It was in spite of many things, not because of any of it. So, um, you know, as far as the business, like you don't, you don't tell people F you and that ends up, you know, resulting in sales. 
Usually. <laughs> <laughs> Usually not. <laughs> I have the magic touch. <laughs> oh, well, when did yeah, when was... did you start? When did you start feeling that you needed to move on from Dragon Door? That you wanted to? That you had bigger? You had a bigger scope of possibilities for you? Well, basically, it was that the glass ceiling hit me on top of the head is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was the tell that feeling. <laughs> and I was, as a younger man, I was loyal to the wall. You know, because yeah. I'm a, not, not, you know, like, like there's a, there's a seen world, there's an unseen world. It's, you know, and I right. have to, I have right. to say this, because you know, this may not come up, like, I was one of the guys that would ridicule you for being vegan. Yeah, you did. I've told that story before, too. And I'm vegan (laughs) for four years, and I I will be for the rest of my life, and you're more than 20 years. So, you know, if I never told you that I was wrong, (laughs) I'm telling you that. I mean, I appreciate it. You were actually actually always really – no, you were actually always really cool, Steve. I mean, you no, you I was you were, cool, you, but you, I would joke. I'd be like, you know, someone like – Yeah, but that's just your personality. Yeah, no, that's just your personality, Guys would be like, oh, Mahler's vegan. No, seriously, seriously. Guys would be like, oh, but Mahler's vegan. He's really strong. And I'd be like, yeah, in public, you know. So. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Yeah. I was, oh, I, man. I, I, you have to have fun with it, but uh, – Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I remember when you would bring steaks to the course to put in the fridge in the hotel room. So that's how much of a meathead you are. You know? <laughs> Chicken will make you. Chicken will make you. Well, technically, yeah. I, I, I got a lot of flack from pretty much everyone because I didn't really know anyone else that was vegan. Certainly not anyone that was starting to develop a name at that time. Uh, certainly not in that it was world. Long before it became trendy, you know, it was yeah, long before yeah, Beyonce yeah. was. I can tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's that, that's OG to the a serious OG stuff right there. So it was, thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. No, I, <laughs> I appreciate it because how many how many people and how many animals and how much how many lives have you saved that would be difficult to calculate. But I know that there's yeah, probably yeah. many people that have you know, became vegan because of, you know, and that's how it works. It's awareness. It's, it's, um, you know, like we're all connected. We're all, we're all connected in this world, whether we realize it or not. And, you know, the suffering of one is the suffering of all and ignorance is bliss. But if you don't, you know, if you're not ignorant to that, then there's the responsibility that goes to it. And that, that's, that's what makes a leader. You know, I I really believe that. So, you can do that. You can do anything. Because, like, eating is the most primitive. It's even more than, than fucking, right? Eating right. is right. breathing and, and you know, water, drinking water, and then probably food. Those are the three yeah. things that are the essential yeah. reflexes. So you right. go without food, you know, and now we we live in a society where the large majority, they're not at all critical about what they eat consider food and what they put in their mouth as right food you know yeah. so all of a sudden okay i'm not eating i grew you know for me i grew up 45 years i was 45 when i when i switched to vegan so yeah you know i was eating everything you know not 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 like mcdonald's and and the worst i was you know try trying to eat 
well relative to the stupid person that goes to KFC for dinner. But, you know, in <laughs> retrospect, it's only a little bit better than that, right? Because the food sources are so corrupted that you're right. Your health food is almost like fast food in many regards. <laughs> so that's right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, but but anyway, it's just you know that's um that's an important thing that I never had an opportunity to to really tell you that because we hadn't talked probably since I don't even know if I was, I just maybe become vegan the last time we did a podcast. No, you you came on you came on the show and talked oh, about why you went. Oh yeah, yeah. You, yeah you, it was like yeah, it was like um, years ago though. I was a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, it was right around the time it was right around the time I went back. He's like, I'm like, well, fuck if Steve can stop eating meat, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, this is the motherfucker that can eat ice cream and drink beer and have a steak all at the same time and still have a fucking people said that about that Yeah, that's my boy. I love him and all, but fuck him. How the fuck you just have beer with ice cream and eat steak and have a six pack? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> my, I gotta lean out. Like, I'm looking at that video. I'm looking at the video on YouTube. I'm I'm just throwing all types of fingers at you. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Steve. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, like I said, man, when you switched, I said, well, fuck, man. Then I, you know, we talked about it more when I came out to San Diego that last time. You know, you you Sam and my wife, we all hung out, man, and just it was, yeah, just, was, it was like a good little. Right there, man. It's just like, well, shit, man. It's like, okay, I've been around Mike all these years, and I can sit. I've seen a dude that's been doing this for over 20 years. I said, well, and here's a, you know, here's another guy that I've been working with for over a decade. Now I can say that, you know. I said, mm-hmm. well, here he is. I was like, shit. I was like, but again, it's just like, I don't care. No matter what, people can be resistant as well. But here's the thing. No matter what, this stuff seeps into you some way somehow. It's like if you're even halfway conscious, it, it's it's going inside your brain, man, and it's it's being filed and stored for later, and it'll it'll come up when it's time for it to come up. As with any, you are what you eat. Anything. You, know? you right. are what you eat. If you're eating death and fear and trauma and disease, yeah. then that's you become that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way around and that's it. That's like how we want to compartmentalize it. And 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 actually, human being. Here's the thing: the discussion should not be on our ancestry. This discussion should be exclusively on where we're going from here. And just because you can lay out all these examples that, yes, humanity, you know, meat is one of the saviors of humanity and allowed us to do this. Okay, I let's just say that we can accept all that. Where are we going to go from this point forward? Like, just because right. you did doesn't mean you're going to. And just because, you, you know, right. you used oh, to doesn't mean you will. And I believe Look, dude, we were striking – we're striking stones together just to get fired, too. Those same ancestors they talk about, like, I'm sorry, I really just walk right over here and turn on my stove. <laughs> okay? Yeah. It's so much easier than striking rock. Okay. Well, we're hybrid. We're all hybrid, you know. So some of us right. are people exactly. who plant, some of us are, are not, and, and, you know, we all kind of fit the homo sapiens. So, But I, I think there's a lot of different tribes all interacting, and, you know, some people maybe they can't go without meat, you know, may, maybe. I don't know. Like some people get, it's 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 in a, it's an addiction like a lot of other things. But I think a big yeah. part of it, especially for men, is social pressure. Where you go to a barbecue and all your friends make fun of you. They're like, "Oh, what's up, you fucking pussy? Go have a veggie burger." And a lot of guys are pussies where they're gonna just fall. You know, a lot of people are gonna just cave if two friends make fun of them. They're gonna stop doing whatever they're doing. You know, most guys are fucking oh, come pussies. On, I mean, even the marketing. Well, even the marketing. I mean, you sit there and you well, look at all fucking Arby's, Arby's commercial gets the most manly voice to do the voiceover. And it's like Arby's. We've got the meat. Like, come on, man. There's not one dude out here that thinks about going to Arby's every day to eat his fucking food. <laughs> you know, but it's like that's the last thing you think about. Oh, America's roast beef. Yes, sir. That's like 
Yeah, exactly. American oh, roast beef. That, that's what the name is, roast beef. Yeah, R-B. exactly. So it's, <laughs> they didn't yeah. even have to have something edible. They had such a good marketing that they were still yeah. – there's still Arby's in the world today, I believe. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, they're very popular. Funny to me. Yeah. my past one, I cracked up. I was like, who the fuck is keeping Arby's in business? There's one right here by my apartment. I was like, why is this place still open? I don't understand. Yeah, Who's still about going subliminal here? Well, this, this, this food is you know, very RV. addictive, too. No, the food is very oh, yeah, addictive. Cool. It's very addictive. They meat, give you everything you want. is very addictive. They give you all They're the salt, you know, give you all the nitrates, yeah. and it's all triggering, all that dopamine. Give me that dopamine response. So it's like you're not even thinking about it. Half the time, you probably, like, if, if that wasn't happening, you'd be like, this shit tastes like ass. But take away but the seasoning. It's self-discipline, man. It's self-discipline because okay. if you can't self, – if you don't have self-discipline over your actions, over you, what you eat, how are you going to have self-discipline in training? And even if yeah, you exactly. have self-discipline training, well, but now what you eat, it's not sustainable because you're not you're not going to perform well. World, yeah, it ain't going to yeah, help right. you with that last breath. So it's like when you when you're, when you're in your twenties, yeah, when you're in your twenties, you can get away with a lot. When I mean, I'm 45, I'm still getting stronger. You know, I deadlifted more last year than right. I've ever had in my life. Pulled six Super, plates. Yeah. No belt, no wraps, nothing. And and my point of all this is that a lot of people feel like when they hit their 40s, their best days are behind them and that they're just going to get weaker now. It's a battle of attrition. You just try to hold on to something. But I feel like my best years, I feel like my best years are ahead of me. I feel like this year I'm going to hit more PRs. And when I'm 50, I'm going to hit more PRs. The body. And that right there, and that right there is the funniest part. But when you start talking about the ancestors, you know, it's like, dude, okay, we're all in our 40s. We're all in our 40s here. You know, and people talk about our answers. I'm like, those fuckers even make it to 40. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. Them. Okay, they most of them died when they were fucking 30 and 27. You know, so don't, don't, and I remember what I was doing at 27. I shouldn't even be here right now. But yet, here yeah, I am. Yeah, but then so if you go back, back, back those dudes are living to be like 750 years old, too. So I, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> you know, I think it goes well, up and down. That's what the way. That's what some religious text, which was written by people that were on psychedelics, said. And who knows how long people really live. <laughs> So just because the Bible said people live for a thousand years, I don't. I don't believe that the Bible is factual. You know, a bunch no, of Christians no, are going to be mad at me right now. I'm a religious studies major too, but I, I don't believe that these are facts. These are stories that teach us valuable lessons, but it's yeah. it's not any more factual than Star Wars universe exists somewhere. No, because I mean, the, the math is bad. When you got one day that counts for seven eternal. years, things like that too. So it's just like you got to look at the, also the allegories and the symbolism of those numbers as well. And people take them as fact when they read it. They're like, "That's how it was." Like, "Oh, he lived to be Methuselah lived to be nine hundred ninety nine years." Old. I'm like, "Methuselah, okay, Methuselah sounds like Yoda." Okay, okay. I'm like, I'm, I don't know if yep. I'm believing in that right. Like, we're yep. coming, where's the facts? Show me Methuselah's. Where where are his artifacts? Okay, where's his grave? Let's let's study that. Like, otherwise, you're telling me. Well, it's yeah, I mean. The, the point is, is that um, if we go back, back, they were stronger by far. Like they, people were breathing. They had people to be. Were, <laughs> they had know, to. Like, like, yeah, we weren't, we weren't still in these, the kingdom and the cities. It's, it changed the behaviors, but the, the genetic right. material is no different. So, so we go back, right. hun- you know. Hundreds of thousands of years, there's there's almost no discernible difference in our, you know, I don't know what the number is, how far they agree, is it 50,000 years or whatever, but, you know, the hominids, anyway, been around right. for hundreds of thousands of years, and so now all of a sudden you take that guy and you put him in this sandbox, and it's all high tech, we haven't caught up to that, 
We haven't, you know, so so the average bloke now is far less prepared for any of the real shit of just primitive living of like fight flight. Oh yeah, let me tell you, let us. Well, let an EMP happen. Just even just a, a big hurricane happens. I'm like, I just had a big hurricane that happened here like two years ago with Hurricane Harvey, and I saw just how these modern men and women, you know, how they behave just from that. And the hurricane didn't actually come to Houston. We just got the outer bands. We got like the nasty part of the hurricane, and I just oh, yeah, saw how yeah. they were panicking just from that. And I always look at stuff like that. And I, I'm sorry, I crack up. I'm just, I'm yeah, because Houston man, isn't a third no world No idea. City, so they had to put them. Yeah, I'm like, right? real shit hits the fan where there is no resource whatsoever. I mean, you actually have the ten for. I'm like, half you can't even like grow a garden on your balcony at your apartment. Okay, you can't even just grow your own herbs. So you wouldn't even know where to start with that. But trust me, the one good thing about human beings, though, they're adaptable. So the ones that actually would make it the survival of the fittest, they would find a way. So there's, there's times my buddies and I joke, I say, you know, sometimes I kind of wish an EMP would happen. So we could just hit the reset button, and then, you know, hey, <laughs> we'll see what happens from there. So. Because then you get to see real human ingenuity at its finest, where the computers and the AI is not doing all the work for them. And that's the issue right now. you got the AI doing everything for them now, and they're becoming very, very weak. I mean, I'm seeing these robots they're creating over in Japan right now where they're they're fighting. Yeah. The robots are actually fighting and thinking for themselves and exercising. I'm like, first of all, why is a robot doing push-ups? You don't need to do push-ups. You're a fucking robot. I'm like, that right yeah. there is alone is scary. You know, and they're originally they were built to go in the outer space and travel and, and to go find new worlds out there, but they're keeping them here. And, of course, everything, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Of course, they're saying, you know, they're building this here to help further technology and, and man, but I'm just like, nah, bro. <laughs> these machines are thinking for themselves. That's not, that's not going to end well because humans are already inherently stupid because we're highly emotional. You know, yeah, and, it's and not everyone's rational. mind, right? The singularity. Right. It's like, is it going to be a war? The AI is going to realize how dumb we are. Yeah, I think so, it, it's, it's, yeah, like we need to help you, you idiots out because you're destroying your own planet. So obviously, like hell, most of you don't even believe in science. So of course, the robots here is that you're part of the resistance. What you're telling us is that you're part of the resistance. I I, I know not what you speak of, my brother. To my, I will not confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a simple man, a simple gray man. All right. All right, all right, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's good to be in Texas, and where firearms are a plenty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, as long as you're not an Austin. <laughs> so, nah, but yeah, man, no. like I said, one of the, one of, good, one of the cool it's things, man, one of the cool things was like um, right around, I think, 2005, Steve, you and I actually, that's when we connected. And I think that's right around the time you were getting to start building your own thing as well. I think probably like, I think Mike, you may have been, you had moved on by that time, right? About well, 2005, I was doing a lot of seminars. That was like, I started. Yeah, doing you were doing like full contact. Yeah, yeah, you had your full contact. Model, you know, yeah. That was actually the model that, like, Pavel, you know, and, and Pavel actually was, at that level, he was very supportive to the people under him, and the key word is under. And, right. um, you know, so it was like, hey, comrade, you know, you should do this, and you should make a video and an article, please. And, oh, you know, so he was encouraging to me in those early times, which I'm thankful for. Um, and it was, you know, you should do a DVD where you, you know, combine your martial art concepts. And that was a like, great idea. So I figured out how to do it. Now, there's no support from the, you know, from like the Dragon Door w would be a customer in that sense, right? So you still, at this point, 
I had to, you know how it is, Mike, in those early days. You come up yeah. with the money, you figure out, you get money. Well, yours was like, I think your brother holding a camera in the woods, right? Yeah, Roger wanted to get into, um, my brother My brother and I are really tight, so Roger wanted to get into yeah. the film business. And he's like, well, look, man, why don't I film your videos for you? It'll That's give right. me some practice. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, and I think there was a there was a pickup truck in the background. Like <laughs> <laughs> that that video, I scrapped that video what pretty. Are the, first, the, no, no, the very first video I ever did, let's be honest, it sucked. It was a crappy video, right? So the second I came out with my second video, which was way better than the first, I, I just scrapped that fucking video. I buried that we have shit. Twenty twenty vision, looking backwards, right? But of the, but yeah. having said that, the times it was acceptable because Pavel yeah. set yeah. the tone, like. His right. what was it? Rapid Fire twelve DVD set that you could buy for the for, for the three hundred bucks. Yeah, eight hundred nine dollars. It was crazy it expensive. Was like, no, it was like he was doing this this private course for Secret Service guys, and they had to black right. out their faces. But the cameraman, there was it was like a, a department Department of Nuclear Energy. You remember yeah. that? There was an expensive <laughs> close yeah. up on his big toe for like ninety seconds. <laughs> Yeah, so that yeah. was the state of the that was the state of the DVD you know, quality that so you could come and do it in your bathroom like Matt Fury was doing shit in his toilet you yeah. know <laughs> and still selling it for like sixty bucks right? so that's that's the world that we were raised in <laughs> yeah the bar the bar was still look at that, that time book, man. look at those photographs yeah I mean, like okay those are like they were taking on the earliest like camera phones. When you look at some of those photos, it looked like he, like, looked like he was using like a 110 camera. And he was just scanning those fucking pictures, man, and, and putting it in the book. It's just, but it's just crazy oh, yeah. how far we've come now. Where well, now good, you can shoot a movie. Shoot a movie no, remember Matt Fury? Matt Fury predates Dragondor. Actually, Matt Fury was yeah, the first yeah. guy to really show how to use he the internet. He was the OG and, of the OG. All the others yeah. came after. He, he wrote right. Combat Conditioning, which was – you wouldn't be able to sell one copy 99, of that now. 98? He's still Yeah, it's around that 97. Yeah, ninety seven, yeah, ninety eight, and he sold a shitload. He made hundreds of thousands Look, of dollars, man. if not more, on that. For sure. Look, man, for I sure. saw that ad in Black Belt magazine. Okay, that's how long ago that was. That was the first well, time I, I saw the ad for it. You know. Yep, we all we all have that book. I'm sure. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was you know. So so basically, you know, the 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 full contact, and then I did the full contact too. And those yep. were the early days, and based on that, it was you know set up a, a a one page you know one one product page and a shopping cart you know so two pages, yep. and now you're off and running. Now that's what Pavel's doing, so I'll do that right. And n no business plan, no you know <laughs> just just jump in and hey now it'll have to work. I can extend my you know. I don't have to get a real job. I figured out something to, to fill in for the martial arts that I was doing as a younger guy, right? And so then right. with the DVDs, you get the emails like, oh, I loved your DVD. And hey, you ever going to come out to Virginia or wherever, right? And do a workshop. Right. So that's right. how it yeah. starts. And then before you know it, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll do a workshop here. I go to Boston and somebody from New Hampshire goes and hey, let's have you out in New Hampshire, right? And um there was no filter or screening system at that point in time, right? Okay, <laughs> right. so I was I was eager. Wow, well, well, you know, so then um, Paul Vili, 2005. This is what really changed. So when you say 2005, sincere, I was actually 
Wit Dragon Door through basically 2006. January, yeah. January uh, 2007 is when. The, oh yeah, that's right. A little bit. I, I, I left in 2006. Yeah, I left in 2006, yeah. and then we did the Boys Are Back in Town in 2007, but not until I think the fall of 2007. But what happened yeah, in 2005 that that sort of changed it is I was still doing. Um, some guy had contacted me about doing private lessons in the in the martial in the Xingyi, which was the martial art, my first martial art, my Chinese internal kung fu. So he had contacted me. I don't know how he found me. Maybe it was through Dragon Door. I'm not really sure what how he found me, but he basically uh, was doing private lessons with me once a week, um, just at the park down the road from where I was living, and. Um, then one night he sends me an email saying, "Hey, I found this website." So, so this guy Ellis was um, he was like cross training up where he was living, I think in Temecula. He was cross training, I think, in jujitsu. So he was looking for like some jujitsu videos, and he came across GroundFighter.com. And at that time, GroundFighter.com they were they were probably the best Budo video. They were the go-to first and the bigger, but GroundFighter definitely was doing a lot of business that time back in the time and MMA was at the very beginning and there was no like there was no high level Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys in US at that time so people were learning jiu-jitsu off of videos a lot back then yeah. Yeah. and right. so it was a big business anyway he had this tab you know he had like best wrestlers in the world best jiu-jitsu guys you know uh, Sal Roberto he had Mario Sperry he had um Kevin Jackson wrestling. He had like Mike Swain with, with judo. He had uh, Oleg Taratov did something, I think, on Sambo. Um, Cairo Parisian had did a thing on judo. So he had really high-level guys in the different grappling art. And he had this tab on his website that said Kettlebell. So so Ellis sent me this in the email. So I look at it. There's a tab that says Kettlebell Training. You click it, and we offer the best kettlebell training, but there's no product. So I, I send an email through the through the website and I just say, Hey, my, I'm Steve Cotter, I'm one of the foremost kettlebell trainers and you know in the country and you know, and I send them a couple of links, like maybe two or three links from my video in the email, and that was it. Next next day I wake up, there's an email from from him saying, Hey, call me. So I call him. This is Paul Vili, classic New York Italian uh, you know, with a New York accent up in Rochester. It's like, hey, man, <laughs> you know. Cool. Yeah, I'm pa Paul and I did a lot of business together, you know, so it was uh, only, good, only good feelings about Paul. But it, it was, uh, you know, just caricature, you know. And he's like, hey, man, the first thing he says when I call, he's like, you're one strong motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. thanks. <laughs> you know, so then we started talking. And, and we talked for several months or at least at least for about three or four weeks, I would say. And, yeah, I want to do this DVD. And blah, blah. So I ended up flying out to Rochester. We do this thing. I stay for a week. We crank out the Encyclopedia Kettlebells. The finished product ended up being nine DVDs. It was about um, – was it nine DVD? I think it was nine DVDs. It was like 12 hours of footage and it was 182 exercises. And for the most part back then, because it was 2005, I think, or did we film in four? I think it was early 2005 we filmed. And, you know, I was using 32s back then, like pretty much for everything. So um, at that time, it was far and away beyond anything 
you know, that had been done in kettlebells, just Dragon Door was doing most of the, pro, you know, and then, you know, myself, you, Mike, if, if some of the others wanted to do a video, it was, you had to sell through the Dragon Door catalog. And, and I saw, uh, to, uh, to correct you there one second, and most of the video sales I made were through my website. I never fucking okay. relied on Dragon Door. Dragon That's Door was maybe 10% of my overall sales. My thing was always, I'm going to take complete responsibility for my success and not rely on anyone else for anything. So I, I not only bankrolled all of my own videos, I did all the ad copy promotion to make sure they sold really well. I had little distribution for my products. Yeah, Dragon well, Door carried it, but great lesson not there. much. Um, yeah, that's a great lesson for you listeners. <laughs> and uh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You that's true. You you did and you're the exception to the rule. You know, but I was far more green <laughs> in this period of time and I I didn't have right. the foresight to to make that <laughs> to make that move. Uh you know, yeah. so they they would order, you know, 200 DVDs and that's a that's a decent decent paycheck, right? Oh yeah. And uh that's that's where I was at. That was where I was at in my business strategy at that at that time, like 2005. And um, you know, so basically, um, John Decane does the you know I contact say hey I did this DVD I'm super excited about it and I think it's going to be great and it, you know Encyclopedia Kettlebell it has this 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 and this. He's like, oh that sounds great. I, I'd be very interested in, in in carrying it. And then now I have you know now I have the product. So I don't know however long it took to get through the editing now i have the product and so john send me a dvd you know and send one to pavel because you know i want to make sure that that um you know get his thoughts on it before i before i make a deal with you so john's like yeah you know i really like it's great (laughs) pavel calls me he's like comrade (laughs) i could tell (laughs) from the the tone in the voice that it wasn't a happy you know because usually he'd call and be like so how was your seminar and how many people were there? And you know, he was always right, kind right. of to see if there was any big opportunities for him to step into. It was kind of like that. Sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. this one it was like the tone was definitely like you're someone's angry with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I've had calls so, like that with him. <laughs> I know what it's you're like. About. Oh, so are you a Lone Ranger? It's like Peter Kelly. You're the Lone Ranger. You know, right? Uh, I'm like. Excuse me. What? 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 What's going on here? He's like, yo, you didn't mention, you know, you didn't mention RKC. You don't mention, you know, senior RKC, and you know. And I was like, well, Pablo, I, it's my third DVD. I kind of did mention in the first one, you know, second one. Right. Like at some point in time, to, you know, I, I think. That, yeah. How many times do you have to mention it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, so then he kind of brought these things, and I kind of cut them off because it was like, oh, but. um you know, in Brett's DVD, and he's, you know, it's for personal trainers, and, and I'm like, no, no, Pablo, you know, because there's all these other catalogs, you know, Lisa Schaefer has, like, a workbook, Brett yeah. Jones has a thing for personal trainers, you know, there's a lot of, and I'm like, well, no, that's just the titles, but actually the content, you know, like, he's teaching swing, he's teaching Turkish get yeah. the same like, thing as everything. He wanted yeah. me, he wanted me to be very pigeonholed, like, like, kettlebell kung fu, that's your, exactly. your like, you got to stay and you can't, you know, you can't teach the swing or the clean because those are on my DVDs. And, you know, so that was the beginning and the end because I could see there was the, not the, there wasn't that security coming from him. Like it was more right. like he was feeling threatened by it. And, sure. you know, I was processing it at the time, but looking back, everything obviously is very clear, but you know, yeah. that was the beginning of the end. But in my mind at that time, I still wanted to salvage the relationship. You know, because 
um, it was just the comfort zone for me at that time. Like that's that's my sure. biggest. Comfort. So I want them to yeah. continue to. So I want to smooth this out with Pavel. You know, so um, it kind of did for a while, but then it just you know then there was another occasion a few months later where he's like, how come you don't have the you know, you're not flying the RKC flag on your website. You're not mentioning senior RKC. And actually, in my mind, I never saw myself. That wasn't like that wasn't a feather in my cap because I had already right. been a, you know, a con- very accomplished in the martial arts. I had won a couple national titles. I had fought on the U.S. team. You know, I had my degree, you know, which was no big deal. But like I would I would rate a, a bachelor of science in kinesiology slightly higher than being senior at KC. <laughs> or, Definitely. You know, and, and yeah. I had several things behind me that I considered carried more weight. If it wasn't for my martial art training for those years as a kid, I never would have been able to walk into the RKC and kind of pick it up and establish sure. a strong position at the very first moment, right? It was because Definitely. of my martial art training that enabled that possibility. So, you know, it was... And that was my point of view, and he was really offended that, you know, that I wasn't. And, you know, so that pretty much got to the point where he tried to squeeze me, and, and now things are different because you don't yeah. – I don't respond well. I, I'm a fighter, so I, I – you right. know, I'm a nice guy, but if you step on my neck, it's on. <laughs> right. It's on. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to tap out <laughs> at, at right. that point. So. Um, you know, and, um, when those things happen and I was pretty hot headed about it, you know, and I, and I, I learned my experience. <laughs> to put say, say, the is that, that's the biggest not understatement you. of the century. I'm not going to reveal the details of an email exchange okay. between you and Paul, okay. because that's not my place to do, but let's just say diplomatic. When I showed that email to Tim Larkin, Tim Larkin called me up within two seconds and was like, Oh my God. <laughs> that time like, he's like this is bad this is really bad i remember when tim called me up and left a voicemail <laughs> and he always makes fun of me because i try to be diplomatic about what you did it's it, it tim's like yeah you know what mike you're a good friend you're a good friend yeah i mean i basically call him you know i I don't think like that was the 20th century. Let's just be clear. That was the 20th century. We are now in the 21st. Well, wait, was it? No, it was 21st. It was 21st century, Steve. Hey, Buck Rogers. Okay. I thought I had a good alibi. <laughs> it was prior to the supernova. Let's just say that. You, you, your response was a fucking supernova. I mean, there's nothing but a supernova. I'm a kinder, more sensitive, more accepting person now. You know? I mean, it was to summarize. It was basically here's what I think of you, and if you have any problem with that, we can meet face to face and discuss. Yeah. And I don't think you're yeah. going to discuss way, if you met face to face. There was a yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that took it into the personal, and I shouldn't have done that. Like, like I sure. did not do that. It, it again. just came out. No, it just but came out, man. Some things important. come out. Yeah, yeah. Because I would not do that again. Having right. said that, the content, I do not. I think that time has bared it out. So right. the content wouldn't be very different because right. I, I believe everything that I wrote in that. It's just that I yeah. wouldn't write it. <laughs> so that's 
that's the point. It's not a retraction. <laughs> you know, it's not a retraction. It's just that I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. It's more like that. Right. I right. haven't changed my mind on – I haven't changed my mind over the past – there's nothing in the past 17 yet. years. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Better yet, it's like looking back, there could have been – it could have been done a different way. But at that time, hey, that was the way they needed to be done. <laughs> okay? That's how, you, that's how it should really be done. It should well, be you, you like, That's how you learn. That's how you learn. Things just come out. Sometimes exactly. people put you in a position where things just come out. I mean, you can't – you can't. sometimes you have these automatic responses. Yeah, but it's, you know, like, that's what it's you not like I pulled hey, in Anthony Weiner, you know? I didn't pull an Anthony Weiner or, you know, like, <laughs> there's a lot worse shit you can do using telecommunications. If that's the worst thing I ever do, okay, it was bad, but, you know, I, I think I've been able to recover. Well, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. No, you definitely have. I, I don't think it even hurt you that much, even then, honestly, goodwill. to tell you the truth. Yeah, more goodwill. But, yeah. It outweighs. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really hurt you then. If anything, it's it got it got you a lot of attention. Of like, okay, what's I mean, going on Ray here? Lewis, people... Ray Lewis probably got away with a lot more. Yeah, yeah. murder maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I would I agree know. with you on that. One. You know, I don't know. But... <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. OJ, OJ. OJ got away with a lot more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't care if the glove doesn't fit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, oh man. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that time period. I remember that time period really well because that that boys in back in. I mean, it was a great course for a variety of reasons. But the guys who shined the most at that course were you and Maxwell. Maxwell did a really good job. And this is not just my opinion. This is the user feedback as well. And I think that course was a good step in here's what we're doing next. There was this big, it was a pretty well-attended course. There was a video, so a lot of people saw it. You spoke about some of the things you just mentioned here on the actual video, not in not in the exact detail, but you talked about why you left Dragon Door, et cetera, and so forth. So I think that video, in a way, was a turning point of here's what I'm getting into next. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a next chapter. That was a great idea that you had uh, come up with to to do that. It was very well received, you know. And um, <laughs> can you imagine bringing that back again? <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't be able to get it. We wouldn't bother to get it back together again because everyone's had – I mean, you and I haven't had a falling out, and me and Nate haven't had a falling out. I don't think Nate and you have had a falling out, but – Let's just say there's some interpersonal dynamics with well, that group that may not work. The, my my approach is if I have no contact for extended period of time, there's a zero percent chance of having any falling out. <laughs> <laughs> like if I just yep. don't contact you, then we can't have any problems, right? Well, that's kind of like it's not a lie if you believe it's the truth, right? It kind of falls in that category. <laughs> okay. Like, cool. we, didn't we, didn't we, don't, we don't fucking talk anymore. We haven't talked in 10 years, but there's no falling out. Yeah, but with guys, it's fine. In the hood, there's true. a phrase. That's true. Like in the hood, they got a phrase, but it's like, no, nah, I don't fuck with that dude anymore. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> it's, right to, it's, it's right to the point. And guess what? When you say that, no one asks you. There's no follow-up question after that. Like, hey, what happened to so-and-so? Like, I don't fuck with him anymore. Oh, well, I mean, honestly, okay. honestly everyone <laughs> has that question. <laughs> it's in such when a different space hood. now. 
like are you doing volunteer work in the hood or what 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 is your I can still swipe my hood card and still have, I still have some credit. Or is that just what African Americans call? <laughs> Since there's not going to get shot if he shows up in the hood still. Like, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I can't really verify that. I haven't been hanging in the hood lately, but next time I'm passing through, I'll pay close attention. My, my, my recommendation, Steve, is that you don't try. You know? <laughs> don't test that guard. Well, Steve may be okay because he was raised a poor white kid. Somebody, and that was a very political way of saying it right there. So I'm Absolutely. like, I, I, I guess you, my, my hood was like where the Puerto Ricans were, were back then. I was living you know, in New York. And, and honestly, that is not – that doesn't take any less credibility from that dude. That, in yeah, fact, yeah. that's even more, like, <laughs> more credibility. Yeah. But it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> For me, everyone so, thinks so I'm black anyway. You know? They have I could fit in the hood more than I could fit in India. <laughs> where, I, where I grew up in New York was funny as hell. You do better in the Puerto Rican hood than I was in the Puerto Rican hood, okay? <laughs> when I was like six, when I was like probably seven, eight, um, the where I lived, I was in a small town near the Catskills. And uh, they on the weekends, they used to come out from the city on the buses. And they'd have these, you know, the the Spanish had their own clubs. They had like the Vias. You had the the Dominicans had their clubs. The Puerto Ricans had their clubs. There was like a couple Cuban clubs. There's all these different, and they would come down in buses, bunch of buses on the weekends. So I remember one time I was, my sister was a teenager, so she was going there dancing and stuff. I remember, man, you see crazy shit in these in these little weekend clubs, man, where they, where they're coming back in the 1970s. 778 it was like the early days of disco disco yep that that's a vivid memory for me man <laughs> that was yeah so anyway um the hood, tapes, you know razor blades the on the collar you know <laughs> people packing razor blades in their mouths when they come into the club all that good stuff old school stuff man. <laughs> yeah yes you never know you never know it's crazy so i i guess it just goes on but um you know, life has changed so much for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. My, my hood now is right here in the living room with my dog. That's my hood right there. <laughs> yeah, my, my, dog, my dogs now are like my, now my 20 years <laughs> so These are my dogs, D-O-G-S. Back in the day, I had my dog, <laughs> D-A-W. <laughs> <laughs> when the spelling starts becoming correct, hood, I was that's when colors. it's <laughs> Like the image of colors came into my head when you said hood. <laughs> that, that, is, that, that shows you how detached Steve is from any of the stuff. That that's what he has to pull up behind. Like, he can't, he can't think of something after 2000. He's got to go to colors. Hell, not even juice. Hell, not even, don't be a minister, you know. Not even boys in the hood. He's got to go, he's got to go to colors. I was 12 years old when that movie came out. I'm like, okay, you're talking about a movie where the theme song was, was written and sung by a guy who's now playing a cop on TV. So that's how things have changed. Boys of the hood. Oh, man. Yeah. No, but that was like the look. No, you get to have a look at Black America, you know, beamed into the white oh, America. hilarious. <laughs> and you know, you know, NWA, you know, they're the CNN of you know Black America now. I'm like, they're reporting from right. the hood. I'm like, 
Oh, I said, yeah, in the hood, that's called snitching. They're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow. Yeah, it, it yeah. reminds me of what everyone had to say about D.C. I mean, I was born in D.C., but I grew up in the suburbs. But I remember if you told anyone that you lived in D.C. who didn't, who'd never been there before, they thought you lived in some war zone, that you were dodging bullets every day when you oh, walked around. Thing, the if you see, you're going to get killed. The same thing with Houston at the same time. It's like, oh, you from Houston? Oh, you from Fifth Ward? I'm like, you do realize there are more parts of Houston than Fifth Ward. But the only thing people knew back then, early 90s, were the Ghetto Boys, and they thought that was it. They thought Houston was one big giant Fifth Ward. And it's like, oh, so you know Scarface, don't you? And what's sad is like, yeah, honestly, I do. <laughs> but you didn't want to answer it, like, because it's such a stereotype. It's like someone saying, like, oh, you're from Texas, you got a horse, you got cowboy boots. Oh, you're from Houston, you know the Ghetto Boys. I'm like. Really, dude? Really, that's well, all that's you got? Well, like, that's like Oakland. You're from Oakland. Like, oh, yeah, you know, too short. Roll, yeah, <laughs> so you like, and your parents are Black yeah. Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> your parents are Black <laughs> Panthers, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, anyway, with the, the early days of, you know, it was, it was the the DVD and then the workshop grow as a DVD. And then from there, it's like, oh, I'll be the first one to sign up when you start your own certification so after right, getting right. A, you know after getting a dozen of those types of emails i kind of think wow maybe i should do a certification yeah and uh you know it's just it, it it's a funny story though and that, and actually with with ken man you know the way that out it was very um you know ken blackburn like he he's when i started ikff and i conceived the idea i'm like i need a right hand man and I thought yeah. of Ken, like he's the guy that, you know, had the, the multitude of skills to be well-rounded and, and to be good with people. And, you know, yeah. so I immediately thought of him and I called him. And at that moment that I called him, that was a very, it was a transitional period in his life, you know. And um, so that's really cool. It took took several years before Ken actually had revealed that to me, like the circumstances of you know, he, he was going through a very tough time in life at that time. And so it, it yeah. kind of worked out, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a really amazing when you look back at, at, I mean, kettlebells now is a bit, but especially also sincere, but especially Mike and myself, I mean, OG, like before us, it was just like some Spetsnats people. It was <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was weird Nobody because that's why I contacted you. Yeah, that's why I contacted yeah. you because yeah. I had like this nagging shoulder thing going on. And so that was like exercises, you know, the re, you know, rehab shoulder injuries or whatever. And so at that time, you know, I think I was, shit, what was it, Yahoo? I might have been, you know, like looking up that on the Internet or something like that. It might have been Ask Jeeves or something like that. But anyway, so then yeah, all these dudes would pop up. But it was, it was these old ex-power lifters that popped up. And it was like kettlebells. And But there was all these pot-bellied dudes, man. It looked like they just left some dive bar and you know it started like i was like what the hell is this and so i was like i said oh hell no i said well if that thing that they're holding makes you look like that i don't want to do that and so and as i kept scrolling then that's when your dvd popped up at that time um and it was actually i believe it was the uh, kettlebell from Marshall. i think it was the second dvd and okay and then I'm sitting there watching you doing like the cork, you know, the, the dragon screw and the corkscrew with the towel. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, wait a minute. This dude <laughs> incorporates martial arts with, with a kettlebell. And now we're talking because at that time I was really into Muay Thai. And, and I, was, I was like, okay, now you're, you're fitting all the worlds in together, right? I said, okay, who is this dude? 
And so I remember reaching out to you, and I was like, asking, I wanted to know more about the DVD before I bought it because, you know, you didn't have reviews back then. <laughs> so you couldn't go by anybody else's words. So I was like, hey. you know, and that was a time when, yeah, you know, I, people I were very. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, we got an exchange back and forth. I got the DVD. I was happy with it, whatever. And we just kind of kept in touch throughout those years. And then I actually remember probably late, probably late 2008, you, you know, you emailed me just out of blue, like, hey, man. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to start my own certification, you know, and um, um, the first one's going to be in Chicago. You, you think you'd be interested? I'm like, shit, just tell me where to be. I'm there. Fuck that. I'm there, dude. And that was a big, like, that was know. a big, yeah, it kind of, when I started, Chicago was the second ever. That was like February. Yeah, the first one I think was Asia, right? My first one was in Hong Kong. Yes, I remember. And, yeah, I remember seeing the video for that. You know, and uh, here's, a, here's a real funny story for you guys. Like, I was, um, okay, so 2004 and 2005, that's when I was doing the national, you know, going around different venues in U.S. and doing workshops, usually weekend workshops, two days. And then, um, you know, the DVD, 2005, Encyclopedia, Kettlebell, that, that brought a kind of a new market to me. And especially because, uh, you know, the world martial arts was very good about putting clips. You know, they were, they put a lot of clips, you know, so YouTube was, you know, early days of YouTube, at least for me, uh, you know, so a lot more exposure. Cause I was never a guy that did a lot of, you know, I would, I, most of the clips out there are not coming from me. And we'll just put it that way. Most of the clips that people have found me has not been from, from my channel. So, you know, that opened up the, the larger international market also. And then I started doing workshops in 2007. What the reason I started the IKFF, like, like, well, the reason I started is, is more extensive, but at least at the time, what facilitated, what got me to do it was this guy in Hong Kong. So I went to Singapore 2007 with Peter Rouse, actually, <laughs> who you guys know. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, we can we can we can we can do a whole we can do all the, we can go on a total tangent. As soon as you said it, all the yeah. tongue and cheek chuckles happen just then. It's like okay. Okay. Ten, it's tangent time. Let's talk about Peter Rouse. I'm just kidding, Peter. Talk about everything. So you know, so he was in Singapore at the time, and then he, you know, he's like, yeah, I know this guy in Hong Kong, and so he gives me this Kevin Rustin's uh, email uh, contact. So I email and say, hey, I was just in Singapore. I got your name from Peter Rouse, and he said you might be interested in having me up there to provide, you know, kettlebell kettlebell workshop for for you. And he writes back, "Do you do certifications?" Because people here, you know, they want certifications. They want their CEUs and all that. And so I thought about it, <laughs> and then I write back, "Yes, I do." <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have a certification, <laughs> so yep. then I'm like, "Okay, well now." So then I had to run to the, you know, come up with a fictitious business name and all that. Then I felt like, who's my right-hand man? Oh, Ken. And I just put it together and pretty much out the gate. Like, Hong Kong was the first one, but then Chicago was the first U.S. It was, uh, right. like, 35 people. It was a good-sized group, you know. And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Some Shannon yeah. Wallace. I mean, there was some awesome, awesome people there. John, John was our host. John. Yeah, John. John Hall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Go check yeah. off those shoes. <laughs> oh, John was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jason Dolby there. You had Buckley there. 
Okay, okay. Buckley and it was Goldberg a who's who. Chicago. Yes. Wow. Yeah, he's he's talking yeah. about Singapore sincere. I think you're talking about oh, a different Singapore. course. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say no, that you weren't there. Sincere, sincere was talking about no, like he no, was there. I was like, was I know you haven't been to no. Singapore, man. Sincere's got it right. Sincere's got it right. I was go, I was just kind of going back, and one one led to the next. But um, yeah. So wow. 2008. So it's been it's been you know this is the 11th year, and um. Definitely the last four years, it's been focused in, in China uh, to the point where, you know, I really don't, I don't even deal with the registrations myself because I have a team that I work with. I have the setup. I just have to go and I just teach. And I, right, right. I, I, I have my teeth, you know, and so the work of promoting, that's, that's on the ground there and, and they're equipped to handle it. So for me, I can yeah. run it as a one-man show. And right. it just comes down to, is it worth my while to get on a plane and go and teach? And, and I make it worth my while. So, right. Right. Uh, you know, and that's the reason I still do it is because I still enjoy it. I still do it yeah. because I, I still have a passion for it. Um, I do feel a sense of responsibility. And it's, you know, transitionally, I, when I have it all transitioned into the online world, then I'll really yeah. be able to step away. Um, you know, and that's the I don't next know, I don't know how, how can how can you how can you transition all of this stuff into an online world because information is so free and ubiquitous now? How would you monetize that? You know, that's you know, that's well, that's a separate separate discussion, but that's definitely in the personal branding side in okay. terms of business. But in terms yeah. of, you know, specifically IKFF, that's where I have my responsibility. Like for me. When I look back, IKFF is something that is not for me. It's for the world. That's how I see yeah. it. Because yeah. from just a bait, without without taking a, a huge look at it, just on the subject of kettlebells, kettlebells has been around, you know, in the fitness. It's now a ubiquitous tool that is yeah. in every gym. Not necessarily right. around the world yet, but certainly in the Western world and soon around the world because China – you know, is the superpower there. So once it's fully saturated in China, then all its territory, you know, it's a matter of time, but basically it's everywhere now. And right. so having said that, most people using it and most trainers teaching it have shitty knowledge. And <laughs> well, that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the, the IKFF, what we've done is we've provided you know, good mechanics, and now they can take it and they can do what they want. If you go into kettlebell sport, you're well prepared for that. If you if you don't, it doesn't really matter what direction you want to go with it because you're going to learn correct technique and you're going to learn right. alignment. And, and, right. and the things that you need were, if I'm going to see you once, I gave you all that information in this one thing. And now right. you take it, you're the one responsible for practicing and refining and, and getting better versus I need you to keep coming back. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not like a right. chiropractor <laughs> where he just makes you feel good. And then like, you're all fucked up right. again two hours later. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a difference between active different. release technique practitioner who I go to versus a chiropractor. Well, versus a, a general practitioner, doctor, you know, trying to keep you very dependent on them. So you have to keep coming back. You know, or the the shittiest of all yeah, the they, trainers. They, they, they don't they don't know how to not keep you dependent on them because all they recommend is pharmaceuticals. <laughs> They're not looking at under. Exactly. They don't care to find underlying. Well, number one, they don't care about finding underlying issues. Even if they knew how right. to, 
they're not going to put the time it's into it to give about 10 minutes with them. So at they're, they're, like, they're, they're, looking, they're looking at numbers on a piece of paper, and what's the quickest way for them to help you improve those numbers? Oh, your glucose is high. Here's metformin. Oh, your cholesterol is high. Here's lipid. Oh, oh, you got a rectal function. Here's Viagra. Now, that's what they fucking right. do. So I don't, I don't go to general. I've never, I haven't gone to a general uh-huh. practitioner since I was a teenager. I go to doctors, problem, but I go to doctors that are specialists. Yeah, the yeah. word general is in their title. That right there should make you go the other direction. Yeah, right? that means you don't know jack shit. You're, 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 all you know is just – I mean, the average doctor doesn't even think that optimizing hormones is important. They think that's a waste of time. So anyone who says that to me, I already know they're a dumb motherfucker. Well, they're dumb as fuck. Anyone who believes that is a fucking idiot. So I'm not going to even – I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna debate someone like that. We're not gonna have a conversation about. It. I'm not gonna try to convince you otherwise. If that's what you believe, your ignorance is at such a deep level that there's no point even going further. The corruption. Yeah, the just... I mean, it's the business models that you know. Yeah. Um, it leads to corruption. It leads to corruption because of the you know, and that's the limitation well, of the. That's the limitation of the you know the free market model that we subscribe to. You know is. Um, it becomes more powerful than life itself. And then so there's so much corruption. That's why we have like a food industry and a medical industry and a fitness industry. Not about yeah. the industry because it's not an industrial and military model, And a military industry exactly. as well. Exactly. It's so an it's, outdated it's a, it's model. A banking this industry. is the information. This is the information age. But the infrastructures, what I see as, the, as one of the great challenges is the infrastructures are, are now outdated in much of the world. Certainly in the U.S., the infrastructures yeah. are outdated. And so w- we have a new mindset and a new way of approaching things and a new way of communicating. And we have all these new things, but we're still plugged into, like, the old, old way of you know, it's like, it's like the I'm way doing Fosbury Plop and you're still doing the Western role. And, like, time has passed you by. And right. that's, that's the rude awakening that as a culture we're in for is at some point it has to be updated and upgraded. And so that means yeah. you got to take down the old to put in the new. And it's so we're so locked into, you know, and if you don't travel. That's where it's always been, Steve, you know, and all that other stuff. Or tradition, that, that, that T word gets a lot of people into. Well, you know, traditionally, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, there were a lot of things that were tradition. Doesn't mean yeah, it was whatever. right. Well, I mean, the, the 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 real problem with all of this is that people are distracted by things that mean nothing. Social media is a big one. I could go on that. I hate social media. I've canceled most of my accounts. I'm going to be funny, canceling Mike. all of my Mike, accounts really soon. It was funny, Mike, as you're saying it right now. I just got a notification. So Somebody's asked bro, Twitter. Somebody's on Twitter asked me like, "What happened to Mike's Twitter account?" No, I'm done. I'm <laughs> done with right Twitter. Fuck Twitter. Yeah, I'm done with Twitter. I'm going to cancel the other accounts, too, because it does nothing for my bit. I make a great income doing what the fuck I do right now. I don't need to do a goddamn thing. I don't need to get on a plane and fly to London and teach a course. I want to do that because I want to help people, and I want to get this information out there. I could stay home and play fucking blackjack three times a week and do whatever the hell I want to do. I have a great income coming in. I'm set. Uh, I want to get out there and do shit. Communicate with your customers, so you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, 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 I hate social Here's the problem with social media. And everyone can say, oh, Mike, you, you know, people can use it properly. You want to lie to yourself and believe that narrative, go ahead. But there's always something better to do than waste time on fucking social media. Oh, it's great for business. Yeah, so it's putting together a newsletter with 50,000 people and sending it to them directly, not relying on anyone else. You know, so is getting out in the real world and actually talking to a real person. Now, that's good for business, too. It's good Look, man, now you're just out of hand. If you're not getting money for life or whatever else, it's like, you know, how is that a good business model for you? It's like, look, man, it's like when you sit there and you listen to three of us talk, whatever, trust me, 
any measure of success that we're encountering right now is not dependent solely on social media. Or if anything, it's not it's dependent at all on social away. media. Not even it's, a, it's a great. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, I said, trust me, all the things that I'm doing are very much offline. Even the things that are online concerning our business does not make up the even a percent, a big percentage of what we're making, you know, from that. This is like, you know, you know, you know how many people, no, you know how many people have contacted me saying, Hey, uh, is everything okay? I noticed you're not on Twitter and this anymore. Like maybe one person, <laughs> that means no one, nobody gives a fuck about me. Yeah, nobody cares about me on these mediums. They don't give a fuck. I could, I, my mom could have died yesterday. I could have cancer right now. Nobody gives a fuck. So why should I waste my time on platforms where no one cares? All they want to do is post pictures of their ass, talk about how great they are. Here's what I did in the gym today. All it is is narcissistic behaviors of trying to get a pat on the back. That's all it is. Well, that's yeah, just because you're not a brand ambassador. <laughs> if you were a brand ambassador, you would realize the urgency. Hey, hold on, but Steve, you got to look, look at that phrase, a brand ambassador. Okay, that's what that you That's what it is. Like, get that shit up. Look, the majority of guys on there, the majority of guys in there to meet bras, they're, you know, they're on there to cheat on their wife or their girlfriend and just set up liaisons. That, that's, that's what they're fucking on there to do. These women who post pictures of their ass and they're like, oh, here's my philosophical rant for today. Nobody gives a fuck what you have to say. What's they're just looking at your picture and going, how am I going to get in between oh, her legs? There. That's what they're thinking when they look at look, your photo. If you're sitting there, if you're sitting there and there's a, there's a selfie of you with your bikini and a G-string up your ass and you got... You got an overlay of a Deepak Chopra quote. I'm sorry, I'm not reading. I'm not reading and Deepak Chopra quote right now. And okay? you're a dude. <laughs> yeah, and you're a dude. Exactly. This is a guy trying to get numbers. It's not even women on the road of yeah. these accounts. Just exactly. some smart guy going. Here's how I'm going to build my list. Exactly. You're having, you're having this little flirtatious conversation in, in the private in the private message area, and they're not even women. They're dudes just fucking with you. This is the age of acceptance. You know, the age of acceptance. No, no, it's just oh. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have yeah. My, my attitude is very clear and all that. But anyway, was I was, I was going to talk to you about something about international that's stuff. Your hormones are optimized. <laughs> yeah, well, they are <laughs> optimized. That, that's the reason why it made me see things really clearly. I go, what am I doing, wasting my time on? Look, anything. Look at my at this stage of my life, right? I'm at the halfway point if I'm lucky. At this stage of my life, I don't want to do anything. That doesn't improve my life. I don't want to talk to yep. people that are not good for me. I don't want to waste any time doing anything that doesn't enhance my life in some way. And there is always something better to do than be on social media. Always walking the dogs, going to the park, talking to a friend, watching a movie. All of those things are better uses of your time than getting on social media. And people will always try to counter it going, oh, it's good for business. No, it's not. You know, I know people on social media you know that what, have 100,000 followers. They have 100,000 followers. They don't even make 10 bucks of an hour. They're no, that's nothing. You, exactly. know, you have to have at least a million to even monetize it at all. Yeah. Right. You know. Look, man. Look, I went out. Degree, I went like, out last weekend with my buddy just for a cigar night at a, at a freaking club, and to my my one buddy drummed up like five new clients just just talking to them and hanging out with them, and he said, "Oh, you want to get your concealed you carry? Here's my boy over here." So I yeah. got five people just from him. Being being social with all these chicks or whatever else because he's the cute light skinned black guy with the green eyes, you know. And I'm over here minding my business, smoking my pipe, minding my business. But hey, I'm getting five percent of clients right here are calling me. Whereas I can post whatever about the Second Amendment, whatever else, or self defense, whatever online, and all I get, you, all you get from that is a, a like. And you're like, I hear you, brother. It's the, it's the choir that you're preaching to, because trust me, no one else is listening. 
at that point. So I'm just like, you got to get out. You got to turn off your fucking computer and your phone and get out and, and talk to people. You got to actually go out and meet people if you're yeah. going to drum up business. Yeah. Trust me, don't depend on the Internet. In fact, the Internet should be the last mode of defense when it comes to your business. That should be the bottom of your business model at that point. Well, you got to have Unless your own you website. Man. you got to use the Internet, but you got to have exactly. your own website. Look, my attitude is, media, I want people to come to my website. Social media, you don't go to, let me rephrase that. Social media should be the last line of defense when it comes to building your business because here's the deal. You can have the biggest following on social media, but if there's no link or anything for people to click on, it takes you to the website, to your business or whatever else, you're wasting your fucking time. I see dudes all the time. They got like 100,000, 200,000, half a million followers, but yet there's nothing there. It's just that social media presence. That's it. There's no website to go to. There's no. There's nothing. I'm like, what are well, you like, doing? Like put your shirt. Back. Put your shirt back on while you're few. at it. <laughs> Come on. There's very few that are using it well. Um, there are. There are. You know, I know of a company that uses you know social media extremely effectively, which is Mind Valley. Um, you know, it's very tech. But I mean, if you if your tech, if your thing is based upon tech, it's certainly yeah. much more important. But if your thing is based upon yeah. you know hands on people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, as yeah, a that, media, that real human, real human interaction. You guess what? If your business is based on real human interaction, then you need to go out and interact with human beings. And yeah, trust me, yeah. people, most people on social media are no longer human at that point. They don't even know how to They don't even know how to do that. The art of communication. Tim Larkin and I had lunch a while back, and he was saying just what we're doing right now. We're both looking at each other and having a conversation. That is exactly. becoming a dying skill set where it's the ability rare, to rare just talk to somebody in person and have a charismatic conversation to engage someone, to be able to listen to that person when they're talking and respond with showing that you actually right. did listen. You know, you don't develop those skills on social media. Social media is all about me, me, me. Here's a picture of me with so-and-so. Here's a picture of me doing this. It's all about me. That's another thing. It's like no one knows how to debate anymore. Even even then, it's like you got to understand, like your individuals, you're going to have differentiating ideas out there. And that right there is becoming rare. But for the fact, like no one really has those social skills to like, oh, I know you see things different than me. Let me let me hear your point. of view. Why do you feel that? No one even knows how to ask the right question. They just want to talk. Everybody wants to like, well, this is what well, I don't care what you say. This is what I believe. And I always <laughs> laugh people come out this country. When people sit yeah. there and tell me, oh, this country is more divided than ever, I'm like, I said, anyone that says that, you didn't get out until you, – you're not leaving your house. You right. like, you're, you're basing everything off of whatever news channel you're watching or whatever websites right. you're following. I said, but are you actually out there? I said, because guess what? The majority of people out there, too busy, they're busting their asses, trying to make ends meet. They have families. Right. They want to make sure their family is secure and they're safe. I said, there's the common ground that everyone can start from, and then you can go from there. And then guess what? You gotta ask the right fucking question. You gotta ask these people like, okay, well, I want to see where, because we're not all from the same environments. So just like we were laughing and you know, kind of joking about the hood and everything else. You know, all, our versions of the hood are all different. <laughs> you know, at the same time, but you know, we. But the thing is, we're actually having a conversation about it, whereas everybody else grandstands are like, oh, I'm from, I'm, a, I'm a real whatever, blah 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 blah, because I'm from this, that, and the other. Like, well, what? So instead of people talking, no, I'm real. How about asking like, oh yeah, well, what did you go through when you were there? No one's asking these people that because. The only reason why they're boasting like that is because they are they, – they want to be heard. A lot of them want to be heard. Of course, a lot of them just want to be assholes. But there are those out there that actually want to be heard, but no one's listening to them because everybody's trying to overtalk each other. Or they're trying to Oprah each other, whereas, like, oh, well, you may have gotten shot six times, but I got shot 15 times. He's like, they always trying to outdo each other with their sob stories or whatever. It's just like, come on, man. It's like, come on. Just actually, like, ask, like, oh, man, tell me about that. Let me you – know, you know, what was that like? 
then you can actually see who the real person is because if they really did go through that, then you can see where they're coming from or they're just making up some shit to try to get attention. Then you can bust them right away like, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> somebody, you're not from Somebody, you didn't get shot nine times. Shut up, dude. You're just talking. It sounded good in a rap song, and now you think that's your life. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole... People are so desperate to feel important. Now, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, there's a whole industry and in sort of... Uh, it's still... Victimizing? Black, black exploitation, I guess, however you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's a thriving industry, and um, there's not a lot of discussion about that, certainly in the, you know, in the mainstream. Not, uh, not in a way that anyone wants to have. I mean, I'll give you a funny example. No, nobody okay. wants to have that discussion. Because you know, you know, you have example. Shit, if you start having that, that nobody wants to have a good that. discussion on it. Because I mean, you realize on, on how the fathers of this country are all fucking primitive, like, the the consciousness of the times they were barbaric people and they, they oh, yeah. raped and pillaged no, them. No one wants to talk about that. Like how old? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like we want to honor that, and our, we're still honoring. That. Look, dude, so we didn't make it this far. That, we weren't violent. Okay, you're living a lie. You know, like like right. the descent. And most people in the world still live under those kind of conditions in Africa and Asia and Cambodia. You That's name true. it. I mean, parts of Africa are like Mad Max already. It's extremely dangerous and. Uh, the threat of violence, of being raped, of being killed, of your family being killed, of your daughter being raped, of your sister being raped, those are realities that come to fruition often. Let me tell you, man, at the end of the day, when anyone in the West can sit there and grandstand about, you know, those type of conditions and how bad and deplorable they are, that is privilege all around. It's not white privilege, black privilege. That is Western privilege. It's like, you know, it's real comfortable for you to sit but on your ass and, make, and, and get on the Internet. For this reason, because privilege is like if you if you accept that we're supposed to be slaves, if if like if someone accepts that as the argument, like we are slaves and we are underlings to these kings and to these elites, and they're the they're the ones running the show, and you have to stay. In, like if you subscribe to that, then anything above that now appears to be a privilege. But if you subscribe to what I subscribe to, which is we are gods, then fuck go. all that bullshit. It ain't a privilege because everybody should. Just because I have it and you don't, it doesn't mean I'm privileged. It means fucking you guys. The truth of the story is you had this tribe over here and the descendants of that tribe were fucking enslaving these other tribes. And now it's all integrated and you can't do that anymore, but you're still doing it um, oh, through sinister ways, you know, through, through right. the use of primarily through the use well, of media to create the word you know the conversation and even when you say that you know when you say that we are gods like people see that they see that from a religious level like no what that truly means is that look man at the end of the day you yeah, are too bad well, you're in that's control the old of your world. life that's the old you are world. yeah the so you are in control not, you're in control of your life and that's the thing about whether you're choosing to eat the right thing when you're choosing to move your body that that's that's you being a god. That's you being in control and not being a slave. It's like you either be the master, or you be the slave. So you can sit there and subscribe to, hey, well, this is how it's always been. I can only afford this, that, and the other. But you don't you don't do anything to try to attempt to make a change. Look, man, I'm not saying that everybody, you know, they're a slave. You know, there are food deserts, you know, and underprivileged neighborhoods or whatever else. But also. There are a lot that have subscribed to that phrase underprivileged neighborhoods and have not tried to do anything to try to move it toward being not underprivileged. You know, so here's the thing about it. So they, they're so focused on – it's a catch-22. You focus on being, you know, all about yourself, but at the same time not being all about yourself, meaning, yeah, you got to clean up your own house before you move out and take care of everyone else. 
You know, it's just like being on a plane. You know, plane goes down to tell you, hey, you grab the gas, you take the oxygen mask, you use it first before you give it to someone else. Yeah, that's a great philosophy right there. Whereas, but some people they take that and they just like, oh, it's all about me. They don't know how to go out and try to help others. So there are a lot of us who have been in better positions and haven't done anything to go back and fix the conditions where they came from. You know, whether even in the fitness industry, you see that because there's this lack, like Michael was saying earlier, there's this lack mentality because they're afraid if I go back and pull help pull someone else up then that's going to take away from me. And then that's a big issue right there. So, of yeah. course, you can't sit there and have all these other changes, that you, all this kumbaya bullshit that everybody wants to talk about when you can't let go of this lack mentality of your own. It's like, look, man, all three of us on here right now have each helped each other out to be where we are right now as of the time that we're speaking on this podcast. Because no one here, it's like Mike was never like, well, I don't want to reach out to Sincere. I'm like, I'd rather have him just keep coming to my workshops and keep paying and whatever else. And I don't want to work with that guy because, you know, if I start working with him, then I'm not going to make any money. You know, so you could be the same way. Like, okay, look, man, it's like, you know, you get certified, but you just stay certified. And, like, I don't want to have anything else to do with you beyond that. You know, so it's, it's not even like that because we all have grown together. And, again, we never stop learning from each other. We never stop building from each other because there's this lack, there's this, this like-mindedness that's going on. And but that's nothing. Yeah, you, you gotta make sure you choose the right people to be around you, and not have these fucking insecure ass people around you who are afraid these crabs in a barrel, who are afraid that oh well, I don't want you to come up, Mike, because then you'll forget about me. Okay, first of all, if you were actually having some shit on your own, you wouldn't be worrying about what the fuck Mike is doing, because <laughs> you got other shit going on. You know, and that's just right. like you know he's like Mike was saying at the beginning of the show. You know, you no, know, even though you know here we are with the next to last episode of the show, there's no falling out. We we got shit going on, but guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> we're still friends, and we're still going to be connected yeah. with each other. We're still going to talk to well, each other. We got stuff going on, and we just we just don't want to. We're still friends, you know. Right. You know, even though Steve's in Asia most of the fucking time, <laughs> it's like, but I can still say like Steve Carter's my friend. I can still look at my phone. No, actually, it's Steve's phone number, you know. It's I'm like you know, it's not social media. I can actually call this dude if I wanted to. <laughs> you know? You're at you're at home a lot more now. Yeah, yeah I, slowed, I slowed way down. Now I'm into the jujitsu. That's, that's my that's my first love, you know the the yeah. jujitsu. That's my everyday. And like I don't like to be out of town because then I then I don't have my training. You know I don't have my yeah. my setup how I like it. And yeah. one of the reasons why I stopped traveling so much it was affecting my workouts so negatively. Every time I would get on a roll, I would do a trip and come back, and I would be 15% weaker, oh. and it would take a while to get on a roll. Then I got to go travel again. Just got burned out right. with that stuff. But my bottom line is, when when you don't want to do something anymore, it's time to stop doing it. And that's how I feel about the exactly. podcast. I don't want. It's not. It's not about what I've got going on outside. I just don't want to do it anymore. And it's not a bad thing. You just. It's. Just, I don't want to. I don't want to do. I don't train yeah, much no, kettlebells anymore either. It's not because I don't. I dislike kettlebells. It's because I'm doing other shit. I'm not like fuck kettlebells. I'm doing deadlifts and pull-ups. I, I. I'm. This is just where I've gravitated towards. I've got other things right. I want to work on. Sincere's got other things he wants to work on. We're still going to talk to each other. People just aren't going to hear it you know, anymore. You know? <laughs> right. So, look, if we've talked about your ass in the past, we're still going to talk about you if you pop up. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're posting your selfies on Instagram, even though Mike's not on Instagram, like, let me tell you about this motherfucker. I just saw him on Instagram. <laughs> it's like, they haven't changed since you left, bro. So, yeah, we still do that because we need to laugh every now and then while we're out there working hard. So... <laughs> So the best way to, to not be affected by that, don't be that person on Instagram that I see, because I'm going to be like, hey, man, your your boy so-and-so is still doing that same old bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
I'd be like, oh, well, have fun. Obviously, he's getting some payoff from that, so keep doing it. So you know what? If, it, if all this bullshit makes you happy, then who am I to say don't do it? You know, I'm just, I'm exactly. just saying why I don't do stuff anymore. If other right. people are like, look, man, I love being on Instagram, and it's fun for me, and I meet cool people, great. Great. Yeah, it's I'm value. glad. It's what we I value. think that's what shakes people up the most is when you don't want to do what they're doing. I'm like, look, if you were actually doing that because that's what you actually enjoy doing, you wouldn't give a fuck if someone else is doing it or not. That's what it comes no, down to. I'm also not a guy who makes you don't, you don't need to have a... I also don't make an announcement. I don't. I didn't get on Twitter and say, hey, guess what, guys? I'm not going to use it anymore. I just kill the account. Right. When I kill my Facebook and Instagram account, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to make an announcement. I'm not going to give an explanation. Who gives a fuck why I'm not on there anymore? I certainly don't care to tell anyone. It's always hilarious when someone you post something that somebody doesn't agree with, and like, I'm unfollowing right now. Okay, bye, bitch. <laughs> yeah, why, why do you have to tell us that? Just do it. Just unfollow no me. You don't have to tell me. Yeah, just go. I'm gonna I mean, take I don't follow every day. I don't make a detox. A detox? Yeah, that's a good start. 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that's like that's crazy, man. 24 hours without it? You're out of your mind. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. You're a wild man. I always tell people, I was like, look, man, if you can't then go a day without being on that, then there's a problem. There's a problem right there. It's like, what, well, are you, what are you afraid of? If, if Steve tells me he's going to go 24 hours without weed, then I would be like, shit, man, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> yeah, that's called, you know, that's called a flight overseas. <laughs> well, hey, edible, I can't wait to take an edible on my next international flight. I'm actually looking forward to it. I got the whole plan out and everything. Well, here's the thing. Just make sure you eat them all before you land. And- oh, fuck yeah, dude. No, I'm not going to take them. Steve, Steve, I'm not you, man. I'm not going to try to go through security with them. I'm going to eat it before I even get out here, before I even check yeah. in, man. I'm not, I don't play that game. Oh, I accidentally brought it. I don't, I don't want people to email me. I got a, I got a, I got a fucking oh, beard like, now. I look, I look like, a, I look like I'm part of the Taliban as it is with my beard. The last thing I'm going to do is get on any radars. <laughs> Like I said, I don't want people reaching out to me like, hey, man, Mike's not even sending emails anymore. What happened to Mike? I said, oh, he's over in a Turkish prison right now. I was like, what? I'm like, no, seriously. He's in a yeah, Turkish that's one prison. Way, that's one way to get off social media. You know? <laughs> yeah, right? Midnight run. That's, that's, not, that's not the way I recommend getting off of all of this. You know? Yeah, it's just like, hey, man, what happened to Mike? Just said, don't oh, leave Mike the California border Mike. unless you're going into Oregon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I may be going to Uganda soon with my dad to uh, go to the Nakavali refugee camp and do some stuff together. So if I don't come back, then you can assume the worst. You know. All right. Well, like, hey man, what happened for you? Hey man, what happened to Mike? I said, oh, he's over. He's over there recreating his own version of Broke Down Palace right now. <laughs> like, anyone's ever seen Uganda, that? Before? No, Uganda should be. Uganda should be safer than the Fifth Ward. Well, I'm not oh, even yeah, saying Uganda. Uganda is actually one of the safest African countries. Like, that's why everyone, like, that's why the refugees go there. You know? yeah, my wife was just there a couple of years ago for six weeks in Uganda with with a bunch of like well privileged, super rich little white girls. Okay, and they they all made it back. So that's that's where Uganda is as as of today. And Coney was only like uh, what, twenty miles in away Uganda from there. Are, uh... No, people in Uganda are very friendly. People in Kenya are consummate hustlers. Everybody's on the take out there. Everybody's trying to hustle you on. I mean, even the most minute things. But in Uganda, right. it's not like that. It's not like that at all. I was actually shocked the difference because the countries are right next to each other. You can drive from one to the next. I, w- I was right, actually yeah. shocked the difference between. But that's why that's why Uganda has takes in more refugees than anywhere else. It makes sense yep. because that's the kind of yep. people they are. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, they're like the Italians. So, like of I said, there's 
<laughs> it's like I always tell people, like, don't look at the news to get your information. Once you actually like talk to someone who's been there, actually go experience it yourself. So, like, yeah. trust me, when my wife came back, it really changed my opinion of a lot of places over there. I mean, even like, between her and Mike talking about Kenya, you know, it's funny how you and Mike's stories match up, even though y'all weren't together, you know, at the same time. <laughs> I said, so I said, so you got two different sources here. I said, I'm gonna go ahead and believe that those some straight up hustlers over there in Kenya. But guess what? When I go to any other place, like you know, a big city like New York or whatever, I deal with those same type of hustlers. Like everybody's, everybody's on. Well, no, no, and so no, no one worse than India. In Jamaica, New York hustlers are a joke hockey. compared to India. Yeah, India is the worst when it comes to hustling, and when yeah, it comes to corruption and red tape. I think Cairo probably you'd want to be. Yeah, Morocco, Morocco, Morocco as well. Yeah, and of all of those, like Istanbul, my wife was just there last summer, and Cairo, that well, that's where her her father's family is from, and they've gone there too. So <laughs> it's funny, I've heard all these stories, and it's just funny. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to visit any of these places anytime soon. Yeah, they're all worth visiting. I'm not even saying you shouldn't go there. You just have to be prepared for what you're going to deal with. Like India is life changing. Everyone should go to India if you get the chance. Yeah. I'm just saying you got to prepare yourself mentally for what you're oh, going to yeah. deal with out there. Otherwise, you are going to get eaten alive out there. You're going to get hustled out of your fucking underwear. You're not even going to have your meat undies by the time you leave. Uh, I always tell people, I said, my favorite, my favorite James Bond film is Dr. No. That's who the fuck I am. It's just like, nah, man. You know, you just give me a look like, nah, no, no. But what about no? What about no? And then you start giving the angry black man look, and you need to understand. That's the only time I can pull out that that that, that black man privilege card. It's like, okay, I, I'll go ahead and be the angry black dude right now if it'll, if it'll make you leave me the fuck alone. Okay, It's just like, get away from me, man. So every little stereotype you believe in, I'm going to put that in my face right now so you can believe it. Leave me alone because I'm not giving you shit. Leave me alone. Steve, Steve I remember you. Steve. Steve, I remember you before you started traveling internationally, and I've seen the person you've become as a result of all your international travels, and it's a total difference. I mean, you've seen yep. the world. You've met people from all over the world, and, and you've, you've been to these many of these countries multiple times. I mean, it's completely yeah. changed your worldview. It's informed me beyond – in fact, I'm going to be going to India uh, February – it's my next, my next trip. Um, oh, February. cool, man. I'm going to flying into Mumbai for a couple days and then Bangalore for a couple days. And then I'm, then I'm heading out, but I'm going to, I'm going to go into Italy first, uh, stay there with my wife. She's over there. And then um, I'll fly to India, then go back to Italy. Just kind of break it up. Very nice. Yeah. I want to go to Kerala. I don't know if you've ever been to Kerala. That's where my mother was from. The beach. I was one, I was down in, um, Let's see, Chennai. What, what was that? Chennai is not quite Kerala, but but I think you know I didn't make it down that far, but I had like the cuisine because I know in Chennai it's pretty far south as well. They have yeah they have that. yeah yeah yeah. Um, I want. Well, I mean, as a martial yeah. artist, Steve, I think you would really yeah. like Kerala because they still have yeah. the wrestlers, and so that's what I would like to go check out. I'd like to go see the kind of training they do and get a firsthand that's experience, good. and then just see where my mother grew up because I've never I've been to India, but I've never been there. Okay, your mother is from Karelia, from Karela. Yeah, she grew up. I mean, she passed a couple of years ago. She passed in 2015. Oh. She was, she was, she grew up. She was born in Karela. She grew up in that area for the most part. Okay, yeah, the hot, hot, great food. They're they're famous yeah. for their for their cuisine, definitely. Because um, most Indian oh, yeah. food is like Punjabi. If you go around the world and just have, you know, right. yeah, and that's terrible. 
That North Indian food's a big difference between that and, and the but, South, especially for, especially I, for vegetarians and vegans. What I love about India is, you know, the food, like, like, Oh yeah. If you're vegan, you know, like just don't eat the paneer and you're good. Exactly. Don't, don't order so the easy. mango right. blossom, exactly. whatever. Yeah. You know, like and eating and I like I like eating with the hands actually. I, I prefer that, you know, yeah. with the especially in the southern, like the Hyderabad and the that that kind of region. Um, right. You know, it's real hot and you eat off those like those metal those metal dishes. Yeah. 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 It's nice, <laughs> man. It's very nice to eat. <laughs> You know, except that my only criticism is I don't necessarily always want, like, if I want to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's going to be the same thing every meal. But that's the only <laughs> downside is, like, yeah, I like chickpeas and I like curry. I don't like that. Steve is when you go to Kenya, yeah. <laughs> no, when you go to Kenya as a vegan, because when I visited my, fam, my, my parents out there, I was actually still vegan. I was 21 or so. And... First of all, they don't understand why you don't eat meat. That they think that's ridiculous. Right. You got money. Exactly. They're, like, they're like, you should be eating meat at every meal. That's what we would be doing. I mean, they're <laughs> vegan, but not, but not, not by choice. They're vegan because uh, they're poor. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with you. So you would go to, a, we'd go to one of these game resorts, and we'd go eat at the hotel. And you would tell them, like, look, I don't eat dairy, I don't eat eggs, I don't eat meat. And they, they're, they're like, well, fuck, man, what the hell do you eat? <laughs> you know, because yeah. Yeah. then I would say, look, what do you have back there? We got potatoes, we got carrots, we got spinach, we got this. I'm like, just put all that together on a plate. And yeah. the problem is, is that's all that's all every place ever has. That's all you're eating, <laughs> you know, at every yeah. meal. Every yeah, yeah, meal. yeah. I remember going to the Sichuan <laughs> province in China. That's another famous place, like the hot pot with yeah. a hot pot. Yeah, sure. And yeah, yeah, right. Good luck finding a vegan meal there. I was able to find one. It's actually a vegan hot pot place, but uh-huh. you know, there's places in the world where you know you tell them vegan, they just bat an eye, and then eventually they're like, "Oh, you're vegetarian, so you eat fish and chicken." And yeah, you're like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. that's exactly what. It doesn't they change when they come to America either, because they say the same thing to me now. Like, oh, okay, so you want fish? I'm like, no, vegan. Yeah, well, no vegetables. With, well, no I meat, right? No meat. <laughs> Well, they think they think being they think being vegan is the equivalent of you saying nope. I used to live in a house. No, I used to live in a nice house, but I gave it up to live in a mud hut like you guys. Right, that's, right. What, they, that's what people think. Yeah. They, they yeah. see it as a boundary. Like, like yeah, man. Why would you live in this mud hut with us when you could live in that nice house? That's the way they look. Why would you not eat meat when you could? You're slumming it right now. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. 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 Yeah, they they, yeah, they really would get mystified. Like their facial, even like a waiter, you could just see the facial expression would just be like, "What the fuck?" Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you go back to your Okay. Well, and then, and then when you look like, and then when you look like me, because I was lifting weights then too. I'm not some skinny, scrawny stereotype of a vegan. So they look at me and they think I'm eating fucking bacon at every meal. They're like, "Look at this guy. He must eat fucking steak for snacks." That, that that's what really blew them away. And if I were some like my mom's vegetarian and you know she was a small petite woman, so when she said that, they're like, yeah, you look like a vegetarian. But someone like me, they're like, what? Like, how'd you put on all this size? You know, eating this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's just knowledge. It's just um. And, and anyway, what you what you maybe lose in some areas, you more than make up for in a lot okay. of more important. Areas, so no, no, not, okay. that's why I'm so saying. I'm, like, I'm not be... saying don't go to these places. You should go to them. You just have to be prepared for what it's going to be like when you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I say the same. And I actually travel like I just do. You know, one I I bring like a you know a backpack 
and it's half clothes and the other half is, is dried foods, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it was like nuts and seeds. <laughs> and when I, when I went down, I'll either have asked my host to, you know, bring me a basket of some fruits or stuff, or I'll have them bring me to the market and, you know, find, you know, so that's like the, I learned that over time. That's the first thing I'll get my, my drinking water, my yeah. produce, and then I have some dry <laughs> food. So worst case scenario, if you're in a city, cause you know, international cities, like whatever, Shanghai, Hong Kong, New York, LA, you can find anything, but you go to some, <laughs> you know, out of the way places, it's like, there's place, like I'm setting up, I want to probably set up a trip to go to Mongolia. I haven't been there before. That's going to be probably, yeah, probably uh, in the summer because they have this festival uh, yeah. every July, which is their traditional festival with the, with the horses and, you know, like back right. in the right. day, like, yeah. like Angus and, uh, you know, so but apparently there, like, you cannot exist. Like, their whole thing is based upon, like, camel milk and camel oh, yeah. butter. And, you That's know, right. Meat, 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 meat. Well, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to grow stuff there because it's such a, a cold right. part of the world that you, you're right. not going to just have fields of legumes and stuff like that in, a, in an environment exactly. like that. Just like a lot of Tibetans, a lot of Tibetan Buddhist monks, they'll have, they'll eat dairy and, to some extent, meat because what are you growing out there? It's not easy. Yep, yep. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a definitely a challenge to figure out how to <laughs> how to navigate that. I'm not going to stay for a super long time, but <laughs> you can always go. You can always go without eating for a few days if necessary, though. That's that's yeah, yeah. Well, I was about to say you might want to do some kind of fasting. You might want to time it where you're fasting out there. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly. fun to do after you've flown somewhere for ten, fifteen hours. But you might have to do that. Yeah, but you know, I have like that, that, I just learned to bring bring. You know, I got bags of of macadamias and you know whatever yeah. you get some avocados you're good to go you can yeah you can snack. that's right a snack like that is more nutritious than what a lot of people call meals so yeah that's right. like, <laughs> oh, i got a, i got a meal it's like okay so it's a big mac <laughs> with french fries and a milkshake or whatever okay so like you're better off just not eating yeah, exactly. You're better off now you get wrong. That's so true. Because you're giving yourself less of a toxic burden. All you're doing is giving yourself a toxic burden. Now your liver's got to process all these chemicals and try to get them out before it does any damage to your organs. If it's you don't eat anything, for, at least you're not doing that. It's good for us to do without. It's just good training. That's good right. discipline to, yeah, right. to have controlled suffering. And, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. The most direct is you just go without food for a period of time you know and it's the problem, the problem with people is is that they're so miserable that those meals are their reprieve where that you had yeah. a crappy job and you go oh man i can't wait for lunch i'm going to go have this meal so people associate eating with pleasure to such a point because they're so unhappy otherwise that to tell them to give up one of those meals they're like well shit man that's the only thing that's holding me together if i give that up i'm, I'm going to go you know, shoot up a shopping center because uh, I'm I'm a miserable son of a bitch. I, I hate my wife. I hate my job. You know, I hate my life. But at least I got my coffee and I got my donuts. And yeah. You tell me to give that up. I'm the emotional. It. Yeah, the emotional yeah. connection. Like I lost that completely after becoming vegan. I don't I don't really maintain an emotional connection with food anymore. Yeah. Like I probably did. Yeah. When people say they have a relationship with food. Like, come on, yeah. man, are you sleeping with food? I see it what as are we, fuel. Well, 
Some people do, but still, it's just like, come on, man. It's like, what kind of relationship can you really have with food? It's like, it, it, it's like saying that your car has a relationship with gas. Okay, it's like, okay, it yeah. fuels you. Either you have enough of it or you don't. You know, well, you continue, got cheap gas, and your car smells like shit, or whatever. You know, but, yeah, continue but that what they really have they have a relationship with you know, they're thinking about things and events that were that were based around a time that they ate. That's the thing about it. So I was like, it's not the food that you're having a relationship with. You're, you're going back to a place where you felt secure, you felt happy, you were sitting around a table with your family, you know, you were actually talking to each other. That was the one time you meet, maybe you and your family didn't argue all the fucking time or whatever else, or it may have been the time that you argued all the time. You know, it depends yeah. on how you calibrate it. But, but it's not the food. The food just happened to be there at the time whenever that event happened. So you don't have a relationship with food like that. So guess what? If you remove food from that equation, you can still have those same situations that you're you're equating food with in the first place. So don't tell right. me about my relationship with food. Food, look, that's like me having a relationship with my with these shoes that I have on right now, or having a relationship with this computer or whatever else. These are just these external tools, you know, that are being used or added to complete the mission of whatever I'm trying to accomplish as far as me. Yeah, it's, connecting it's an addiction. And, you know, it's, not, it's not a relationship. It's an addiction. People are addicted to social media. People are addicted to eating. People are addicted to whatever it is they're addicted to. Going to the gym seven times a week, whatever it is, you know, that's their fixation. Steve, you had some interesting. You, if you were about to get into something about you don't have an emotional connection to food anymore, where, where were you going to go with that? Um, yeah, it's to say that I, I realize how strong that is with um, – probably the majority of people and I, and I, you know, with myself, I think to some degree, not, uh, you know, looking back, I can see that I had a stronger connection. For example, like I used to love to eat a half gallon of, you know, Breyers chocolate chip mint, for example, I pound down a half gallon, you know, no problem. And, um, you know, I think it was because as a kid, as like Briars, you know, that was the top ice cream. I didn't, we didn't get it very often. And when we did, it was like a real treat. So it was like, you know, I, so as an adult, when I could buy my own ice cream, you know, and I think probably there was that, that comfort, the comfort to the food. Yeah. And I think, right. you know, that take a very, you know, now I didn't grow up in a family that's obese or, or, you know, we, we were always healthy and, you know, normal weight and so on um you know but in some cases that's not the case in some cases i mean because it's a culture so you do have families where you know the parents are obese the kids are obese the relatives are obese they they they, they get her they sit around and do events and they have these big meals and all this food that doesn't digest all eaten together at the same time it's like it's like an american thing you don't have that in other cultures like probably in europe the germans i think are the most like they suck at food you know, they like their smorgasbord thing. They they have yeah, a lot terrible, of terrible but food. If you look there. at like the Italians, you look at the <laughs> French, you look at the Spanish, even the Portuguese, they have a culture of food. The medit, you know, like each each plate is a different meal, and it like the flavors right. are considered that what goes with what that's taken into account. It's like at the American buffet, you go to Vegas or any buffet. It's just like, oh, that looks good. Slap a bunch of that on you. Like, oh, that's like none of it's supposed to go together at all. Right, right. You none know? of it. And it's so true. Americans don't really in our in our type of eating, we don't really have that, you know, type of consideration. And and I I learned that from being married to an Italian, from my wife being Italian. That's kind of where I ha have developed that appreciation for food. But 
looking back, realizing that I was one of those Americans that used to eat that way. You know, she was like, well, those things don't go together. And, you know, because my wife was vegan also for, you know, long, long before I was. Right. Uh, you know, for basically her whole, pretty much her whole, certainly adult life. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, but just, uh, I guess the emotional part is, I, I think it's, I think it's that when I stopped eating meat and dairy, and you talk about addictions, and that's that's exactly correct because food is the most common drug that we ingest oh, yeah. more than any no other drug, you know. 100%. And then others like nicotine and caffeine that are also a high percentage in a lot of people's diets, basically, is what it is because you're ingesting it. You know, so like caffeine is part of your diet if you're nicotine, you know, cannabis, whatever it is, those are all drugs that in a sense right. if you're not chewing it, you're smoking it or whatever, but it's it's still getting into the system. So that that's your diet. And uh um, right. you know, yep. I stopped having addictions when I became vegan. And you know, and what I what I looking back I realized the foods that I used to have cravings for or I would say cravings, which are addictions. You know, yeah. we're all like ice cream or, you know, meat or cheese. It was all these types of foods that are right. very rich animal-based foods. So if you're not eating animal-based foods, well, it gets out of your system after several months, right, to where you don't – it's probably different for everyone. For me, it, it got out real quick because it was a decision. It was just a decision that I made. It wasn't like I had to wean off. You know, I yeah. just from this point forward, I'm not because it was a principle, and that's what maintains it. And um, you know, but I noticed that my body is like you don't have these cravings. I used to have cravings for ice cream. I used to have cravings for these things, and so you feed the craving, and so the addiction, and and so it keeps, and you always have cravings for it. But if you're not eating it, you don't have the cravings anymore, and that's what kind of brought it to my awareness. And and you know, the addiction, as you say about it, it is an addiction. And, you know, that then you're forced, you don't have that. So now what do you eat? Now you have to expand. You have to expand your repertoire of, of flavors and, and things that, you know, now spices and things like that become far more important. Right. 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 You know, so and, and OK, maybe I'll maybe I'll eat eggplant now, you know, even though I never right. used to eat eggplant or, you know, maybe I'll whatever. It's like right. food's. Uh, herbs and spices and stuff like that it takes more importance and you have to be more educated about getting nutrients and especially for me my first six months probably I, I got real skinny real fast when I became vegan mainly yeah. because I wasn't eating a lot because I was traveling to places right. and not finding the food so I wasn't eating a lot and also because it was just a rapid change and I wasn't doing you know training I was always training and teaching a lot still so um, but, you know, I wasn't like doing barbell training or doing, you know, limit strength type of stuff. It was more reps, right. you know, so right. I yeah. lost a lot to the point where people started saying, you know, asking me about it until then my wife started, you know, so then I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll pay. So it took me a little, it took me a little time <laughs> to get it dialed in. And then I figured out, okay, this is how I need to get the nutrients and stuff. And. You know, so now I'm a lot lighter pound for, but I'm like at the weight when I was a teenager. But, you know, just, of course, yeah. constantly, you know, shredded with no body fat and all that. It's like this is my walking around. And I'm not like 
I train for I train strictly for martial now. That's my my interest. Like everything has to be the application of the movement and what it's for, you know. And that, that's you. really the only thing I care about is skill. It's skill development, and then as far as strength conditioning, it's it's strength to weight ratio. That's what I care about. It's not to be as big as possible or to be as strong as possible. It's to be as strong as I'm going to be at at this weight where I feel my best. Right. And, yeah, exactly. You know, so that's that exactly. account the frame and especially in an art like jujitsu, because jujitsu is the, the farthest thing from you're gonna muscle somebody. Like the more muscle you right. use, the more trouble you get into. So yeah. uh it's skill it's all skill. It's all skill right. and execution. And the same right. you know, the same even you know, in personal defense. Yeah, I gotta be able to move. It's like if someone I gotta be able to move no matter who my person I encounter that's trying to attack me can be. So, and you know, or I may be, I may be in a position where I need to get the fuck out of Dodge, you know, so I don't want to carry around the super heavy muscle that I used to have and feel all winded or gassed out or whatever else. So, so there's, there's bits and pieces of that muscle endurance that comes back into my training right now that I feel is very important because that's exactly what I need to do for what I'm doing as far as my career, but also just for, this is where my life is right now. This is where my life yep. is. And exactly. so, you know, people always ask, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not necessarily, put it like this, my, the 200 pounds that I am now is not the 200 pounds I was a year ago. That 200 pounds was very heavy muscle, you know, about getting, you know, big and strong. used to be all ass, Just, now, now more chest, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he's, he's yeah, so old ass. You can't mess with genetics. I don't care what kind of training you're doing. Yeah, it's like the ass is going nowhere. You know, like, <laughs> look, 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 man. I'm not gonna sit there and sit there and disclaim the ass. I'm like, look, there are your people that are spending are thousands. Still dragging on the floor. You watch. Yes, spending thousands of dollars getting that ass. Like, I got mine for free. Uh, Thank you, Mom. Well, you know, you're still good at deadlifting because you've got the right leverage, you know, from his dad. So, <laughs> even if he takes the next six months off, he'll still be able to pull a good amount of weight. He lost five pounds of that. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I weighed the same. <laughs> I'm with you on yeah, the body weight to strength ratio. Guns for you have sure. in your pocket. Like the gun <laughs> in the different pocket. The knives, the guns, the throwing stars. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I got a rude awakening in uh, making sure I I work on mobility because that a nasty groin. I thought it was a full tear. Honestly, it was so painful, and I, it might be a partial tear, but it was whatever it was. It was crazy painful, and I've been slacking. I've never been the most mobile guy anyway to start with, but I used to do enough mobility at least to avoid these kind of injuries, and. I got a little bit too carried away, not even carried away. I was just, I was just on a roll with my strength training. So I was just fixated on that and I wasn't getting injured. My back felt great doing heavy deadlifts. I was like, I don't need to do any of that mobility stuff. I'm fine right now. Sprinting without warming up, you know, that kind of thing. And it was, it was working until it doesn't work. And then I started getting some inner thigh pain. I tried, I tried to ignore it and push through it. And then I felt something tear. I felt a tendon. I think it just stretched severely, but it felt like it tore. It was really scary. And it was crazy pain. And honestly, I thought I was going to be out of commission for a while. But fortunately, I got active release technique fast. I got stem cells, platelet-rich therapy. I got laser treatment. And it's 90% better in probably two and a half weeks. And I'm impressed, honestly, because I'm back to training. I pulled six plates over the weekend, you know, pain-free. I couldn't believe that myself. I was like, fuck it. Let me see if I can do it. I wasn't expecting to do any heavy training and for at least 
a month or two. I was almost going to cancel the course in April, even though I'm not doing any physical training there. I want to look a certain way, but now everything's back on track. So That's really good. Anyway, the lesson is learned. You know, I've le- the lesson yeah. has been learned resoundly. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Yep, yep, yep. We have to get smarter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. One thing about it, no matter what we do is one thing about it that that mainstay should always be mobility work, man. No matter what we're doing, no matter what aspect of training we're in or where our lives are taking us, where our careers are taking us, like that right there, it goes with everything. It complements no matter what we're doing in life. It's mobility. Yeah. yeah, it's just not exciting. It's not marketable or whatever else. But who gives a shit? You know, it's just like, you know what's not marketable? Pulling fucking muscles and shit else and your back yeah. being thrown out or your hips not, you know, yeah. be, being all tight and whatever else. That's not marketable I'll, either. I'll, I'll <laughs> what, when you do get injured, you need to know exactly what to do immediately because the longer you fuck around, the worse it's going to get. If I just sat on the okay. couch when this happened and said, you know what? I can't do anything. So I'm, even walking the dogs was painful for me. I sucked it up. I did it anyway. Honestly, I was, yeah. I'm actually glad this whole thing happened because the way I handled it, I'm actually really happy about the way I handled it. I didn't call up anybody and complain. I didn't bitch. I didn't whine and go, oh, fuck, man. Everything was going so well. Now this, none of that shit. I didn't feel sorry for myself yeah. for one minute. I went 100% into solution mode. I went to the active release technique guy as soon as I could. Happened on a Saturday. I went there Monday. I would have gone on a Sunday if you were open. I got treated. I did five sessions. I got the stem cells. I made sure my diet was on point. My hormones are great, so that helps with healing. I did everything. All the exercises he had me to do, I was religious about them. I did everything that I was supposed to do. And I think that's why when I was reading about an injury like this can take six weeks or so to recover from, and I'm thinking I'm going to do it in way less time than that because that's the average person that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, I know what I'm doing. I screwed up here, but I know how to get out of it. So I always, you, you got to know what, you don't wait for an injury to happen and then go, okay, let me go into research mode and figure out what to do. You better know what to do. Otherwise, it's going to get real bad. Just like yeah. with cancer. We had Thomas Inglid on the show talking about cancer therapies that are not mainstream, that are very effective. And I, I always tell people you should share that episode with everybody you know, and you should keep it in your back pocket. Because if you get diagnosed with cancer, you want to know exactly what to do immediately. You don't want to go into research mode for three months, and you're going to have all these voices in your mind saying this is what you should do. You should know what to do. So you just push the button and go. You're right. You're right, man. Knowledge yeah, exactly. is, is freedom. Um, yeah, man. That's that's we we see eye to eye on that. It's um because the, the disease industry, you know, you don't want to get caught up in that because now you become you become another number, number another cog in the wheel, and those people aren't getting any better. You know, like if you're if you're at a point where it's medications and surgical procedures and that's like or or their radio they're zapping you with radioactivity and all that like you basically you might as well be property of the u.s army at that point that's right yeah you. exactly exactly i'm like, I'm like at what point in your at what point in your mind does that sound like a natural cure it's like look i'm gonna put this radioactive toxic shit in your body to fix I mean, some radioactive, to fix some toxic shit in your body. It's a, it's a perfect <laughs> right, man. corruption. And I know it's going to piss a lot of people off that I said it, but I don't give a fuck. It's like, come on, man. Look, long before all this modern technology and modern medicine happened or whatever else, people were treated in, in much better ways than this to, to fix this shit. Absolutely. You know, so don't forget, this is a fucking business. There's no business in the cure for a lot of people. I don't give a damn if you are in the medical field. You'll be like, no, see, you know what you're talking about because you're not in this industry. Look, you bought into the bullshit, dude. 
You right. really have. But guess what? That bullshit right. was not around as long as the real shit. So fuck you. <laughs> That's well, there's also, there's also a, lot, a lot less that people dealt with. I'm reading this book on the effect of toxins on hormones in your health, and it's a fascinating book. It's right. so good. I'm actually going to be incorporating a lot of what I read and learned from that book into my lecture in April. Awesome. But one of the things, the food is the obvious one. We all know about that. Go organic, eat clean food, et cetera, and so forth. That one, that one is we know. But what a lot of people we don't know is there are 40,000 chemicals that are in America. 3,000 of them were exposed to daily, just breathing. You walk out the door, yeah. you're breathing in chemicals. If you have carpets in your house, you're breathing this shit in. When, yeah. when I bought a house, I made a point of buying yeah, a house paint. that has no carpet whatsoever. Yeah, paint's another one. Yeah, I mean, it's Carpets is one of the worst. If you have kids, it's terrible. If you have dogs, it's terrible because all their hair goes into it, and, yeah. and dogs are toxic. Dogs so are toxic like from all the uh, walking, they, all the things they pick up. It's not hygienic. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, and like in here we have like yoga, hot yoga with carpets. Like, <laughs> really? <What>? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, first of all, that sounds nasty. Okay. It's like, yeah, that is gross as hell. Yeah, that's nasty. But the thing is about toxins is you want to do the smart things such as get rid of your carpets, use high-quality air filters, et cetera, and so forth. You know, those are the things that everybody can do. The carpets one, even carpets got to go. I'm telling, I'm telling my dad he's got to get rid of the carpets because he's got, he thinks he has Parkinson's. What he has really most likely is at high levels of lead, which if you have high levels of lead, you start getting tremors and Parkinson's-type side effects because there's no test for Parkinson's. It's all based on your symptoms. So his symptoms okay. could be totally unrelated. His house, he's a, he's, a, he's a hoarder, and so the, the toxicity in his house is, I don't even want to know what it is. It's ridiculous. So then on top of that, he's got, he's got old school toxins. He's got toxins oh, yeah. from like the well, 70s, well, so like lead are, and things like that. Things well, that are not illegal in AIDS and AIDS can't sell. You know, that he's still packing. But he's not the only one. Most people listening to this have fucking carpets. It's not like he's the only guy with carpets in the whole country. You know, yep. but, and then he's you know, like he's the only guy who doesn't use an air filter or put high quality filters in the air ducts and so forth. You got to right. watch out the chemicals you use in your yard. So, but where we're going is do the things that you can do. You can't worry about all the chem. I mean, you're going to walk out the door, you're going to breathe and shit. There's nothing you can do about that. That's yeah. just going to happen. Right. What you got to do is make hey, sure that you're not possible to clear out toxins. Yes, the immediate. I'm really, you know, I, I have friends. I have friends who are like preppers and things like that, and they're constantly talking about all these things. They always bring up things that they can't control. I'm like, I said, you know, half the time they send me links. To things, I'm like, I said, I don't care about that shit. Well, why don't you right. care? I said, because that's out of my control. I said, right. here's what I can control. I said, I said, I said, don't. I said, you're no better than the person that you talk about that watches CNN or Fox News 24/7. I said, you're taking all this shit in your mind and you're letting it bother you. I said, what can you control? What can you do? I said, and what is also how do you view what you control as well? I said that right there. You're already far ahead of the curve just for the fact of how you even view how you can control this or what it has to do with you. A lot of that shit has nothing to do with me. Like, look, man, I know right now, I don't know what the fact, I don't know exactly what's in the chemtrails or who sends the shit or whatever else over shit that's flying over in the sky. I said, but for the fact that I don't know what the fuck that really is other than conspiracy theories or whatever else that people are talking, what I can do is try to control the things that I put in my body now to counteract whatever that may be above my head. Okay, because I can't take yeah, that plane down. That's spraying that bullshit. <laughs> you know, but I can't control what the fuck I put in my refrigerator, you know, and, you know, what's coming out of my faucet. I can, I can work yeah. on that. I just, so my thing is, it's like, 
for every bullshit you send at me, if I give the same amount of bullshit to come back at you to say fuck that, then I feel like I'm in I'm in a much better place. And at the same time, my view on you know my view on all this crap, whether it be death or whatever else, I think that helps as well. Well, the fact is like, what are you what are you fearing about your end coming tomorrow anyway? Look, man, here's the one thing we do know: you're gonna fucking die, no matter what. How you choose it, you know, how you die is not really up to you for most people. But the thing is, it's going to happen. So my thing is, I can't focus on, oh, my God, I don't want that to happen to me. I said, no, I can focus on how the fuck am I living my best life today? What am I doing today? And a lot of well, times it's going to happen based on happen. what we know now. But it's, it's not going to happen in the future. Death is not going to be something that happens. That, 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 that technology yeah, or yeah. that sounds, sounds, it sounds ridiculous exactly. for me to say that. But believe me, I'm no, a guy no, who is all deep in no, all this anti-aging shit. The research, they will realize that that's no. not sound ridiculous. Yeah. Because people well, actually do the research the and actually believe in science. No, but what, 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 what I'm saying right now is shit. You know, it's just yeah, like, death look, is, man, death was something it's that, age years old for an average white male, not a black male. Ours is 78. But at the same time, I don't buy into that shit, but I'm like, nah, dude, with the technology that's out there right now, I'm like, look, man, I'm right now, I'm 46. I'm feeling real good about, other than a bus fucking hitting me, and that's just me being careless and not paying a fucking attention to where I'm driving. And I don't text and drive or whatever else, but other than that, some out of the, out of the bullshit, nature bullshit that would happen, look, man, the shit's looking pretty bright that I'm going to extend beyond that expect that life expectancy that they put out there right now because, because we don't know how long any of us can live and I'm, I'm always focused on quality i honestly don't care how long i live if i die tomorrow i'm, I'm, I'm fine with that because i like my life and i like who i am Thank and you. i like what i've done i like the person i've become so if i die tomorrow no problem it's not no tragedy hey, I no there I, I did what i wanted to do exactly. so i have regrets i, I have many regrets in life but i'm, I'm past that shit but where I'm where I'm going is that is the, the 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 technology death is something that very smart people way smarter than us are researching and coming up with why it happens in the first place how to modify genes you know that technology is there now we may not live long enough to benefit from that technology but someone will so it's going to get to yeah, the point yeah. where it's like that movie Altered Carbon on Netflix where maybe you yeah, just yeah. go into another body or you regenerate your body. Yeah. It's going to be really weird when it happens because well, well, it's going to change your whole notion of life when it's extended for such a long period of time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, death, as we use the word, it's a con- construct. It's a, it's a yeah. sort of a mental construct, and you right. know, death doesn't actually exist. And, you know, so yeah. that's that's – you know, for me, it was an important process in the, the step of, re, you know, recognition, realization is, you know, most of what people talk about death, they're just repeating what they've been told and what they've heard from others. 100%. That's you exactly. know, and it's so, fear-based. It's fear-based on the unknown. Yeah. So shit that some people have made up, but there's no proof that, that that's just even going to happen. This concept of heaven and hell and all this other bullshit. I'm like, people, who the fuck has actually gone through that shit? with proof that it actually happened. Like, oh, when I died, I saw the light. You were programmed to think that there's going to be a light when you thought that you were coming to the end uh, of you, this you, light. You just hallucinated. That's all that was. You just had a hallucination. You. Your body makes Don't these chemicals that are very LSD-like exactly. when you die. So you're just having this crazy and also, hallucination. And also your mind yeah. did that as a way of protecting you. Your mind gave you that in order to, first of all, obviously you well, were that's why psychedelics help like, people with death. Psychedelics help exactly. people that are on their deathbed deal with it. I've taken psilocybin before, and I, I can see why it would help, because yeah. psilocybin makes you high like marijuana in the sense that you feel good, but it makes you see the world in a different way. You start realizing that 
a lot of the things that you fear are not real. A lot of your notions of yourself are not real. And it makes you realize that things are okay. You're going to be okay. That's exactly. the only way to explain it. If you, haven't taken it. if you haven't taken it, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But that's what I got right. out of it. It's something everybody should take, even though, if, in my opinion. People, even if you, you, know, you turn your frequencies up on a certain amount with binaural, you know, like meditation, you know, you'll, you'll start seeing things <laughs> on a way different than you normally do in regular Yeah, that's right. And that's honestly, definitely. dude, here's my thing. I feel like I live my best life every fucking day. And to the point where if I would have died today, there's, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Because, you know, all the things that are really important to me, they've manifested. You know, so my children are adults now. They're healthy adults. They're carrying on with their life. I saw through. I was here for them to make sure that happened. But also, if I had passed away before they even became adults, I still felt good because I did my very fucking best. I think if people do their very fucking best every day, None this death bullshit and all this other what happens in the afterlife and all that, it does not fucking matter. And honestly, we die every fucking day because you're constantly changing. So whoever you were right. 10 years ago, that motherfucker died. He's gone. Yeah. Let it go. Right. You're, you're just sitting there praying upon somebody that doesn't exist anymore. I am not the dude I was in 2018, okay? You know, and shit, I'm not even the dude I was last week. You know, and, and I'm good with that because, hey, man, I, do I hope it. I'm evolving. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so shit. I know some esoteric do. bullshit to most people. I, 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 know, like Muhammad Ali, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali with Howard Cosell in that movie where Will Smith plays them, and he goes like, "Muhammad, yeah. everyone says you're not the man you used to be two years ago." He's like, "Howard Cosell, I talked to your wife, and she said you're not the man you were even a week ago." Oh, he thought that line was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Those two had a great uh, thing going. For sure. Yeah, they did. They did. Great. Yeah, they had a great. And he was laughing when Muhammad said it. Howard Cosell was cracking up. <laughs> How could you not laugh when he said that? You know, it's like, come on, man. It's so funny, man. There's a guy named yeah. Neil Brennan. He's a comedian. He's on Netflix. He's so funny. But anyway, he was on there. Uh-huh. At the very beginning, he goes, he goes, I'm vegan, but I'm also a hypocrite, so I eat meat and wear leather. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's, 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 I thought that was hilarious. Man. He just had a bunch of bitch like that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> my my thing is, man. You know, at the end of the day, man, just do the best you can with the, what you have right now. And I think that's a lot of time. I I get a lot of shit from a lot of like these diehard vegans with that. They're like, well, why wouldn't you want to look, man? Look, you got to meet people where you, they are. I said, and, and you coming in with religious? You coming? You you coming from a religious standpoint right now? I said, you. I said, but. You're somebody that walks around your platform talking about how you're compassionate about living beings. I said, but you treat regular people like shit. I yeah, said, humans, you're not walking the walking, talking, talking. They leave the humans yeah. out of it. And that's, humans are animals. That's, thank you. Are humans sentient beings? Human. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand. Yeah. I'm like, isn't that a sentient being? And I'm not one of the person to sit there and like bash them. I'll ask them the right question. I'm like, I said, well, you said that you're all about the, the, the rights and the survival of sentient beings. I said, aren't humans sentient beings as well? Well, yeah, but fuck them. They should know better. Well, like, you always ask, it, well, what are people? People get a little bit holier than thou whenever they get into something. My attitude is, you know what, yeah, man? I've been, doing, I've been doing this for 25 years, so don't talk to me about how I'm not vegan enough when I've been doing this for 25 years. You guys started <laughs> last week, and you're saying, oh, That's Mike, like, you should you be harder. Dude, first of all, here's what I've dealt so with. Funny that, it's so fucking funny that somebody would actually say that to you right now. I mean, dude, I can do, all I can do right I'm, now no, when you no, say that. No one has said it recently. No one said it okay, recently, but here's, like, what I, here's what I've dealt with over the years on this journey, right? I've gotten right. flack from meat eaters for being vegan. They're like, oh, that's stupid what you're doing. And I've dealt with that. 
Then I get flagged right. from vegans for not being harder on, they're like, oh, you're telling people it's okay to eat meat as long as it's this way and that. And I go, look, it's not so much that I'm telling people that it's okay. I'm just telling people the realities of health. And the reality is, is that, yes, you can be healthy eating meat if you do it a certain way. That's true. So I'm not going to lie to people to get them to do something. I'm, my, my whole thing has been I lead by example. This is what works for me. Yeah. And these, these are the results I get. And I don't even have to talk about the results. The results are fucking evident. You, you watch me train, right. the results are evident. People know what I can do. I don't have to fucking talk about it. And I've been doing this for a long ass time. So my attitude is nothing is more powerful than your words. You look a certain way. People come up to me. I get, I get strangers come up to me going, man, I was at the, I was at this, uh, I had a deal with a flat tire and I walked in there and this guy looks at me and then he does a double take. I was like, oh, great. He's probably someone who recognizes me <laughs> or he might be someone who's attracted to me. <laughs> but uh, either way, he's about to say something. <laughs> anyway, he's like, man, he's like, man, you look like you're in great shape. You must, you must do a lot of cardio. And I thought that was funny because I've never had anyone look at me and say, yeah, I look like I do a lot of cardio. But what he was saying is this this is an average guy who's like, wow, this guy's big and lean, and he must do a lot of cardio. Yeah. But what I'm saying with this is this guy doesn't know I'm vegan. He's impressed with the results without knowing what my diet is. And that's what you have. You want to be impressive as a vegan? You got to be a guy or a girl who looks great, and people come up to you and go, man, what are you doing? Because it's working. And then you're like, yeah, I don't eat meat. I do this. They're like, what? Get the fuck out of here. That's when you know you're doing something right. That's when you have to go right. calling anybody, yeah. When you have to go up to people and be like, "Oh man, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be eating this way," and then you look like shit, you have no power in your argument. But they may listen to what you're yeah. saying and go, "You know what? That all sounds great, but you look like shit." So I'm just gonna have to keep doing what I'm doing because I don't want to look like you. Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you. I, I constantly. It's funny. No matter what area I'm in, I always get that same little answers like, "Okay, so let's just say, or if you look at any pictures of what I've done, whereas." Let's just say, okay, a lot of the fitness conferences I may have gone to or instructors' conferences or whatever else, I'm probably the one solo black guy. You see me at a fucking rock concert or whatever, I'm the one black guy. Oh, but you're different. Oh, but you're different. To my, even with the vegan thing, oh, but since you're different. Even in the, the fucking firearms world, you know, you know what, you know, two eight, the, the Second Amendment world, oh, but you're different. To me now, that's a compliment. You know, it, it used to, like, piss me off. I'm like, well, fuck. All it just told me is like, okay, I need to actually get the message out there to more people that look like me, you know, you know, whatever else. But now, you know, it's great to see that there's this growing number of people that look like me that are getting into a plant-based world. But at the same time, I don't care what you look like as far as your color, whatever else, you can still approach it the wrong way. You still see these people who are like skinny, they're weak or whatever else, or they look like, most people look at them like, I don't want to end up like that. But then they look like, oh. Well, you're different. So actually, I'm not different. But at the same time, I am because I approached it in a smarter way. But trust me, it didn't start off this way because in my college years when I became vegan by economic choice, it, it didn't look like this when I was living off Taco Bell, you know, whatever else. But I said, but well, over now, the years, now, I've gotten a lot smarter. And I've surrounded now, now myself with examples people, of what to do. Exactly. I said, I've surrounded myself with people who are a lot smarter about the way they approach and people who are pretty much in the world that I'm in now who approach this from a much smarter standpoint that I've learned from and I've taken the knowledge I've learned from them and I'm sharing it with you guys. I said, so let's get over this bullshit about me being different or, oh, well, of course it works for you. But let me tell you, because I didn't grow up like this. I wasn't born a fucking vegan, okay? I was born in the fucking South where you live off whatever the fuck, and, you know, let my parents tell us we were poor, you know, so we were the fuck we had, but here the fuck I am. So I said, let's, let's get over all these bullshit excuses 
and let's just be a little bit more and take charge of our lives right here and not even worry about the labels of like, oh, you're different or or, or that works for you because blah, blah, blah. You know, or, let's get over this yeah, but bullshit, okay? Yeah, sincere, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. Let's just fucking do it because, A, here's the deal. If you're doing this and it makes you feel good, dude, once you get this and you start feeling good, you don't want to fucking go back to the shit that didn't make you feel good. That's what you should be focused on. Like, you know what? I cut this out, and I started feeling like this now, and I feel so much better. Good. Focus on that. Don't focus on how how you look on the outside or whatever else. Focus on what's happening for you on the inside. If that's just making you feel better, let's do more of that. Let's do more of that consistently and see how long that works. Okay? And that's, let's go from there. And that's another thing. Give it time to work, too. You know, if it makes you feel good for like a month or so, like people can do a keto diet or whatever else. Yeah, if you've been eating shitty all your life and you do a keto diet for a month, fuck yeah, you're going to feel good. Hell yeah, you're going to feel good because you've eliminated a lot of bullshit from your fucking diet. Now, where's the where's the actual numbers where you've done this for t- 10, 20, 30 years and it's worked by sticking to that? You know, that's where the real test comes from. So, and, again, and some have. Was, and some some have done it for that long, and they get great results, and that's just a reality. That's why I'm not pedantic about nutrition. You're never going to see me say this is right. the way everyone should eat because there's so many different ways that people eat, and they thrive. That's just yeah. a reality, whether people like it or not. That's just, yep. you just have to, it's an inconvenient truth whether you want to deal with it or not. Not everybody is going to feel great doing what you do. Not everyone's going to eat the and, same and way that's I the reason eat. Why and people get really results. focus on – even in those, those, those hardcore vegans that were like, look, dude, focus on you. Look. If you're doing this for the animals, keep doing that. Keep doing that to the fullest. And look, man, be that example. Let people see what you're doing, not hear what you're doing. Let them see what you're doing. And then then, guess what? People are nosy by fucking nature. I've said it a million times on the show. And they're going to be like, dude, okay, you know what? At first, I thought you was out of your fucking mind when you're talking about you you don't even fucking like bacon. What American doesn't like bacon? What is wrong with you? But then... You know, you, you know, I'm seeing how you are, you know, you do, you seem happy all the time. You seem healthy. What, what can I do to just get like that? Because guess what? At the end of the day, no matter who you are, people want to be fucking happy. I don't care if you're the most miserable, wretched son of a bitch on this earth. You know, the, you really do want to feel better. You, you don't want to just continue to be like that. You want to see what the fuck happiness feels like. And they, they want, they want a taste of that shit. That's why a lot of people like to hate on it because they're like, they don't feel like they can get there. So they want to hate on your happiness. Because they're like, oh, there's just no way he could be that happy. And then when you sit there, like, no matter how much they hate on you, you're still happy. They're like, okay, you know what? I tried. I tried to hate on him. He didn't change. So you know what? Can't beat him. Join him. Dude, I've been watching you. Tell me more. And that's how you do it right there, man. But preaching to people? Come on, man. Cut that shit out. You know, there's one thing about educating, and there's there's next thing about preaching. Like I said, you know, there's one thing about, you know, being very – there's the difference between being dogmatic and being evangelical about something. There's a big difference between the two. So you can be evangelical, but like I said, be walk the walk, talk the talk. And that's, that's all you can do, really, because guess what? At the end of the day, you can't change fucking people. They have to decide when they're ready to change. And that's what people need to un- realize. You're like, fuck, man. Can you imagine trying to date some chick that wants to change? And also, I mean, whatever, whatever change someone makes is, is, is good. If someone decides they're not going to eat meat once a week or they're going to give Sunday. up a few Let's meals, that makes it – well, that makes a big difference. I'm going to use pea protein out. instead of whey protein, right? These little things. Yeah. The, the, this, the situation is so bad for animals that any little change someone makes is going to add up. Thank now, the real problem is that meat is subsidized so that farmers yeah. are paid to kill animals that never even end up in the marketplace. 
So yeah. even though a lot of us are not eating meat anymore, it hasn't led to a big reduction in animals being killed as a result of no. that. That's a sad reality as well that a lot of people don't want to accept. So yes, you can feel all holier than thou about how you eat, but at what impact it has it made in saving a lot of animals' lives, unfortunately, the answer is a lot less than you would like. So get off your fucking high horse. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> First of all, being on your high horse is not vegan in the first place. That's cruel. <laughs> yeah, the horse doesn't want you on there, man, so get off. <laughs> That's being a hypocrite right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, yeah. uh, Steve. So, Steve, what's what's next for you, buddy? What what's what's what are you working on now? Um, right now, I'm really immersed in the jujitsu, so I'm gonna I'm gonna um, fight in the Pan Ams, which is coming up. That'll be my first combat oh, wow. for little over a year, basically January cool. 2018. Yeah, so I'm really yeah. immersed in that. My son is training every day. He's loving it. Very cool. You know, he's doing real well. Um, have the opportunity to train with, you know, two of the greatest to, to ever do it. So it's a, you know, when you have the when you have the opportunity to get information from the direct source, it's it means everything. You know, and I'm definitely, that's where I'm at in my life. Like in any undertaking that I'm going to do, I want to learn, you know, especially if it's something that I love, that I'm passionate about it, you know, that's, uh, you want to, you want to go directly to the source of information, you know? Right, right. Um, so that's like, that's consumed a lot of me right now. That's, you know, and I think for the number of years moving forward, because I feel great. I, I turned 49 a few weeks ago and um you know still still my my health is good my vitality like you said you know i keep getting stronger and i'm not really measuring it so much by the weight the kettlebell definitely keeps me fit just with the teaching but you know the jujitsu that's my training so anything outside of that is like it has to complement it has to support that or it's not worth doing because then you're just using energy area that you know, so that's kind of with my, my personal training, you know, the business is, you know, definitely on the business side, um, still a lot of work in Asia, a lot in China, we're growing there. Uh, we have an IKSF China that's running things, you know, very well over there. So, um, as far as the kind of intermediate plan, it's just a matter of really developing the master trainer program around the world. And, you know, when my, it's a slower track because it requires relationships. Like most of the guys that I have as master trainers, they've been with me for some some ten years. You know, for, wow. for quite a years. while. <laughs> One of the guys talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's like um, you know, it takes time to develop. It takes time to replicate myself, right? In, in that right. sense. Um, you know, and it's too important. I'm not, I'm never the guy that's going to water something down just because that's the direction that the world is going. So I'm going to water it. No, I'd rather do <laughs> something else. You know, so. Yeah, sincere, sincere said that if he wasn't so busy masturbating, he would have been one of those master trainers a long time ago. Is that accurate? <laughs> well, master is a master, I guess. <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm dual. I'm a master trainer and a masturbator at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ken Blackburn, for teaching me. Like, uh, well, Ken's definitely the master of that. Ken lives in Flint. Where does he live? Flint or Fenton? You, you got to be the master of that. Yeah, yeah. I learned from the it's best, like, man. It's like... The direction is, 
you know, either the world <laughs> is going digital, right? Like if you talk about fitness as a niche, either yeah. the world is, is going yeah. digital, you know, which is one direction. And that's definitely, you know, you can make money in that world. There's no doubt about it. If, you know, and it's not even contingent upon being skillful necessarily. Right. You just have to be definitely. skillful presentation, you know, so, sure. so, um, there's that option and then you know basically the other option is you own a gym and you do that or you go to china <laughs> where there's actually <laughs> new business <laughs> you know so right um that's pretty much that you know and that's kind of self-contained as long as i stay healthy and as long as i want to make the trips to do it i can do that but you know when it comes to a point that i don't want to do that i have the people in place that can run it so I don't yeah, need smart. to go over there as much. And therefore, San Diego right now is the is the place for me because this is where the best jiu-jitsu in the world is. And this is my, you know, my tribe. And there will come a point, you know, where maybe I'll open up my own school. Um, and it's not just about the jiu-jitsu because what, what I've done is we've integrated the IKFF, you know, with the with the Hibeto jiu-jitsu. So it's, it's the the links strengthen each other in that sense because kettlebells is great for jujitsu as a, as a cross training, you know, cause it's right. the grip, oh, yeah, definitely. it's fingers, it's fingers. It's not like that. Well, I mean, it, it was jujitsu people that first told me about it. I, I have a really good friend who's a jujitsu guy and he's the one who said, man, uh, what do you think about this kettlebell stuff? I know a few guys who are using it. And this is way, way early yeah. 2001 or so. So that it, to me, it, it always seemed like the, a really good training system for, the martial arts. So it's not surprising to me that people like you came along and embraced it so fully and, and proliferated it so well. Absolutely. And then, you know, and I've known Shanji for more than 10 years, but I never, now that I'm in the jujitsu, now that I'm, you know, a jujitsu guy, it's kind of different because there's a lot of guys in that world that have been following me for years, but now I'm one of them, you know, it's, it's so that, that's kind of where I see, you know, as far as where I'm spending my time, it's that, because that's my love. As far as the money, well, you know, martial artists don't have money, so it's not, that's <laughs> not the business plan is to appeal, like, you know what I'm saying? That's not, <laughs> that's not where sure. you want to make money is, is teaching fitness to martial art people, basically. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. so. That's, def that's definitely that, true. It's still the fitness pro. As far as the business, it's the fitness professionals that need to learn how to be a a more effective communicator need to learn the correct technology and and how to think and how to yeah. you know and how to think so that they can create and 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 integrate with with the other fitness things that they're doing you know so um it's kind of I'm doing several different things you know at once but that's where I'm at now is I've really simplified a lot because I'm I'm about hands on whether it's teaching or learning you know the way you get good at something is by doing and so right, right. the way that I become more and more skillful in jujitsu is by training every day. So that's that it becomes your art, it becomes your lifestyle. You know, and for a long time I didn't have that, you know, and what I had done with IKFF is really I created my own system, not knowing that it was really I was always a martial artist, but I didn't have a school in a sense. I didn't right. have a I didn't have a family. I didn't have a tribe. And so it was kind of, I was on my own and expressing that martial intent through using the kettlebell as a tool that enabled me to do that. But yeah. ultimately when I look back, like 
you know, if you ask me my first love, it's jujitsu and the martial arts in general. And I also love kettlebell, but not for this reason. The reason I love the kettlebells because it opened the world for me. Um, you know, so so really that's more the direction. And, and um, you know, when it'll be soon, it'll be within the year, I'll launch, you know, I'll launch my new website, you know, and then kind of IKFF. I want that to kind of be running itself, so to speak, without my day-to-day involvement. And I'm not quite right. there yet, but, you know, that's sort of a responsibility that I want to do. And then the rest is more on the, the Steve Cotter side, which has to do with all the other things that I'm interested in. And so, you know, so there's an aspect of nutrition and, and my experience with veganism. You know, there's the understanding about dealing with stress. The, um, I met Wim Hof about a little over a year ago. And that oh, cool. was pretty, yeah, we connected and it was a great connection. We were, he was presenting and I was teaching at this, uh, at this event in Jamaica. It was November 2017, you know, and the, just the opportunity is, you know, cause he's very high level, very high level guy and I'm a high level guy. And, you know, um, so that connection between us, it was really, really quite cool. Um, he's a, he's a crazy guy. He's a wild guy. He's super awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. one 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 in one in a billion, uh, one in ten billion kind of person. But um, yeah, definitely. You know, that was significant to me because that now that I'd met him, now I started really looking at his system and and training in it. And you know, that's a it helped me to realize some things also because when I look at like I've been so much about the kettlebell for so long as far as making my career around the kettlebell and being one of the early adapters and you know, so then the question is, is like, how do you get it out? How do you get it out to more people? And what I've realized, you know, more in the last now, you know, really in the in the last couple of years is like, if you take everyone, you know, because in business, you can sort of focus, cater to a niche or, or be like an elitist where you're just going for like the high end, or you can have an approach where you're maybe trying to get masses right you're you're doing volume so and then figuring out what direction you're going to go and the same applies with something like fitness or even a specialty market like kettlebell training you can try to get everybody doing kettlebells which is now your kettlebells is in target and it's jillian michaels and you're using a five pound kettlebell or <laughs> you can stick to the hardcore guys and you want like strong dudes to respect you and those are your customers right but the, of course those people yeah. aren't going to you know, or you go after the business profession, <laughs> right? So it's kind of everyone's been trying to figure that out, right? And so for a long time, yeah. I was thinking, like, I want to get everybody doing it because it. But then I realized, like, kettle. Everybody can't do kettlebell. Like, yeah, there it is. Even if even if the whole world now, even if we get to the point where the whole world eventually knows what a kettlebell is, everybody can't do kettlebells and will never do kettlebells, right? So what's Right. If I strip that down, like what's the common, the common denominator that everybody has to do? Well, then I say movement. Everybody moves, but actually, most everybody. But there's some people that really can't move, right? Maybe they're quadriplegic. Maybe they're in a wheelchair. Maybe they're so, you know, injured or deconditioned that they can essentially they're not functional in a in a day to day sense, right? So that's a fewer, but. We can even say that everybody can't move. So what's the one thing that everybody does is everybody breathes. Okay, that's the universal 
doesn't matter what what your level is from the LeBron James to the invalid that is in a wheelchair and everyone in between, everyone breathes. So breathing is the first and the last and it's the technique. So all the techniques of fitness and everything else, the breathing is in there. Like, you know, many fitness trainers, they don't even teach you how to breathe during the movements, right? So right, a lot of people right. are detached from the breath. But the breathing is something we all do regardless of how we express it. So that's the fundamental. And then what's the next layer is movement. So everybody breathes and everybody moves. So that's what I realize. And not everybody does kettlebells. Not everybody's going to do barbells or CrossFit or all these other, you know, flavors. Uh, and so that's kind of where I've taken everything back to again is, and, and for me, it's the martial arts, the martial art, because with the kettlebell, it's the martial art of kettlebell. I see it, it's the technique, but it's the same. You have to have the correct alignment, <clears throat> has to sit in your hand the correct way. You have to ha- understand your center line, learn how to use your, your bones, your skeleton to support the weight, you know, so it's very complimentary as we discussed, you know, with the martial art. Uh, but it took me a really long time to figure that out because when I was early in the kettlebell, it was like RKC, you know, then, it, then they started calling it hard style. And then it's like, I was never satisfied. You hear the legends of oh, the Russian guys can do this and that. So what's that all about? Right. Then you kettlebell right. sport. So now it's like, okay, is it hard style? Is it kettlebell sport? Now I wrote that article for CrossFit called it soft style, just as a way to illustrate the difference. And, you know, then it's like, oh, it's hard style, soft style, right? That wasn't me really doing that. That was yeah. as a result of that article. So it's like the pen is not really forward. And, yeah. you know, so then it's like you have these two options. And it's like, where are you? And I was never one or the other, but I didn't know how to express it. It took for me to come back to the martial art before all of that. All those, all the, all those discussions got so tiring. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I lost my love for kettlebells, honestly, was just all these stupid debates people had. I was like, why don't you guys just fucking train, whatever you're going to do, honestly, instead of talking yeah. about it online all goddamn table. day. Yeah. That's why I ended up going back to what I do. Before I started training with kettlebells, I was really into what I do right now, basically. The, the training I do right now is what I did before I got into kettlebells, and then I got sidetracked by that and body weight training for a while. Eventually, I'm, I'm a strength and power guy. That's just what I like to do. So I was always yeah. going to come back to something like this. And I tried to do it with kettlebells, as you know, and you can only take it so far using that tool with that philosophy. So eventually, if you want to take it further, you're going to have to come back to what the strongest men and women do with, with regards to weight training, which is either some kind of powerlifting stuff or Olympic lifting or a combination of both or something in that direction. I wouldn't say that yeah. I'm a powerlifter as in – you know, I don't compete in powerlifting events. I, I do one rep maxes every once in a while, but that's not a big fixation. I just like lifting heavy weights, whether it's for five reps, 10 reps, one rep, doesn't matter. But that's what I like to do. And it really has nothing to do with my business now is hormone optimization, nutrition, supplements, et cetera. So my training is mine again. It's my hobby. I'm not trying to teach powerlifting principles. I'm not going to do a seminar on deadlift technique. I may throw it in the mix for fun at a hormone optimization seminar, but that's just going to be that, a bonus. It's going to be fun. So as a result, my training is really fun now because I don't pay attention to any argument about training. I don't read articles about strength training anymore. I don't, I don't look at discussions about different philosophies. I don't really care what people are doing. 
If I want to know what to do, I'll go talk to the best, like you said. I want to learn how to improve my deadlift. I'll, I'll drive down the street and go talk to Mark Phillippe for an hour. I don't need to get online somewhere and jerk off with 50 people I'm never going to meet. Yes, go go to the ones that have done the thing that you're looking to do. And Right, uh, exactly. And I have, that, I have that guy right here, Mark Phillippe. He's one of the best in the world, and he's a friend of mine. He lives in the same neighborhood I live in. And so why yep. do I need to go to anyone but him? And his his fact, teachings on optimal deadlift technique made a big difference. Yeah, that's where we did that course. Yeah, we, that's how we that's how I first met him. And then I did a collision course there. That sincere was at yep. that. And then I taught a couple seminars there myself. And then I did a video with him. I trained there for four months as a student. Got a lot out of that. So uh, I know I, I hear what you're saying, man. It makes it makes a lot of sense to me. Well, look, man. I think we got to wrap this up. We've been on for like three hours. So uh, anything, anything? Where where can people find out about courses you have coming up or new developments? Um, they should they should follow me actually on Instagram. <laughs> on social media, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. and, um, After that whole rant I gave on social media, everyone's like, "Well, Mike said fuck social media." <laughs> no, I mean for you. For well, you don't look for- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, don't follow me, but follow Stephen Sincere. They use social. media. You can't follow me anyway. I'm not on it anymore. I'm actually on Instagram as we're recording this, but by the time this episode comes out, sorry, Steve, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My YouTube channel, my I, my uh, Steve Cotter IKFF. Instagram and my website IKFF. Awesome, awesome man. Yeah. Well, hey man, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and you uh, it's nice too, to man. reminisce a, reminisce a little bit with you as well. That's always fun, <laughs> and I'm also yeah. I'm also happy to hear that your present is doing so well because we're not talking about our glory days, as in those were the best yeah, days. Right. Those days are nothing Remember compared to what we're doing now. Not at all. Right. Both, both of us are on. Better. Yeah, we're both progress so much more developed now than we were back then. So it's, it's cool to, to have my own journey, but to see yours and, and we're on different trajectories, but there's definitely been some parallels as well. So where are you doing in um, UK? Where, where are you Are you in a commando temple or where are you doing your? No, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching at a gym about an hour North of London, a guy named Keith Mullings. He owns Coro gym. He came to uh, one of my courses a while back and he really liked what I had to offer. And then, Around 2015, he asked me if I wanted to do something, and I was burned out at that point. So I, I was like, look, I'm taking a break right now. And then my mother passed that year in the fall, and at that point, I just didn't want to be around anybody, period. I just didn't want to be in front yeah. of people. I just, I, just, I just didn't want to do it. And it was, it was, it's not until recently that I felt like not only do I want to get back out there, I'm really excited to do it, and I haven't had that feeling in a long time. So that's when I know it's right, right? Like when I'm like, man, I can't wait to fucking present this information. Then I know it's right. Yep, yep, absolutely, man. That's really cool. It's good to it's good to reinvent. It's good to um, you know, step back in sometimes and and know that you can. And uh, that's you know. a big reason why I'm also doing this. Like I need to know I can still do this. I need yep. to know I can not only still do it, but do it at a way higher level. I'm not going to get out there and be a shell of myself. I want to get out there and blow what I used to do out of the water. Be like, God damn, man, that was intense. You know, that's what I want people saying when they finish this course. They're like, that guy's a fucking nut. That course was crazy. He's a fucking yeah, psycho. <laughs> and then 
and then you'll probably do a few more, then you'll probably want to break and <laughs> take a few more years yeah, exa- off. Exa- exactly. <laughs> everything goes, exactly. Everything goes in cycles. The good thing about this, you know, before, for a while, I was making my living traveling the world, not to the extent that you do, but I was, that was the bulk of my money was coming from these international courses because America had dried up and video sales were gone. And then when I started designing supplements, I came out with the recovery oil first. That did pretty well, but it wasn't going to pay all my bills, but it was a nice little supplement. Then I came out with my testosterone booster, and that thing blew up. I mean, it blew up real fast. And I had been talking about it for so long, too, that people were like, when the fuck is this coming out? So when it finally came out, I mean, it blew up. And that's when I realized, okay, cool, I can pull the reins back. I still wanted to teach at that point, but I could pull the reins back. I didn't have to be as aggressive as I was previously. And then after everything, 2015, I was burned out that my mother etc that's when i realized okay you know what i don't have to i don't have to leave the house if i don't want to let alone get on a plane and fly somewhere so if you don't want to do it then don't do it correct and that was kind of my attitude for whatever reason you're you don't want to do this don't don't force yourself to do something you don't want to do and also I'll i'll be honest man when i taught a course in in austria most of the people liked the course but i had two people email me who said that they didn't like it at all and one lady was very, she was very detailed about what she didn't like. She's like, you know, I've read your book and I've heard you on the podcast and you have a lot of intensity there, but it just wasn't there at the course. You know, you, you didn't, you didn't come off like, you know, she basically said you didn't come off like the way you do on other mediums. And that's when I realized like, shit, man, you know, I don't, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I'm a professional. So I'm not going to let other people see that. But when other people start seeing that, then you're like, well, shit. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be there, but you're not supposed to know that, <laughs> you know. So, so, and this was only one person, so don't get. It's not like 20 people attended the course and they all emailed me saying this course sucked. But that one person re- resonated with me because I was like, she's right. Now, at first, I was like, you know what? Why are you sending this to me a week after the course? And I can't do anything about. It. But then, as I thought about it, I was like, you know what? She's right. She's absolutely right. So, if you want to get back out there, you better get back out there and bring some fire. Otherwise, don't do it at all or do something else. So for a long time, yep. I was like, I don't know what I want to present in front of people. It's like, yeah, I love all this hormone optimization stuff, but you know, but who am I to talk about that? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a naturopath. But then what I realized is that I'm so well researched on this topic and that I'm able to take the, I understand the complexities, but what I do better than pretty much anyone else I've seen is I can take the complexities and I can explain it to the average person. I can also bring all these different paradigms together. Some guys, all they can talk about is hormone replacement. They don't know dick about nutrition. Other people, they know nutrition, but they don't know anything about taking hormones. Uh, They don't know anything about training. They don't know anything about other facets. They don't know anything about environmental toxins. So I feel like I can take all of these different worlds and bring it together in one course and give people a very comprehensive experience so that they're not just being pulled in all these different directions. And that remains to be seen. We'll see what happens at this course in April. Yeah, no, it's a great, you're going to, you're going to have so much experience uh, that you're bringing that you haven't done for a long time. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be a big hit for sure. Bring a lot of dimensions to the course. Yeah. And I'm and the podcast has really helped if, if sincere and I hadn't done this podcast, because we've had so many good hormone optimization guests and I'm friends with a lot of these guys now, like Dr. Mark Gordon, he's a friend of mine and uh-huh. he's so knowledgeable and just, just the ability to have him on the show as many times as we have had him on and ask him questions that I would like to ask and hear his expertise and then have people like Thomas Inklin on and Nick Delgado. We've had so many good guests that have 
really enriched my knowledge base. So the show is, you know, forget about how the listeners have benefited. I think both Sincere and myself have benefited so much from not just talking to each other, but just the, the variety of guests. We've had Robert Green on the show. We've had Ty Ritter, who risks his lives to save kids from human trafficking. We've had so many interesting people that you, we never would have come across these people if we didn't do the show. We never would have met them. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a great venue, great venue for uh, connecting and yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate to uh, have the opportunity in this in this time. You know, we, we're more capable than uh, I think our predecessors were in a lot of right. ways. So, but all the more reason not to be complacent because there's a lot. Well, of, that's another thing. I feel like life's gotten too easy for me. I feel like uh, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but because the supplement business does so well, and it's not completely passive, you know, I have to oversee it, but it's pretty fucking easy to be honest man you put in a couple hours each day or sometimes not even that and the thing's a well-oiled machine so it's it's i don't have to do a whole lot so honestly i've gotten comfortable in the sense that the money's i'm making more money doing this than i ever did as a kettlebell instructor and i'm doing way less work to make it so mm -hmm. what do you start doing with time on your hands like oh maybe i'll go play blackjack more often you know maybe i'll just watch tv <laughs> well, you're more. maybe i'll watch yeah, maybe I'll watch fucking four hours of TV, even though I never used to do that when I was really active. And then maybe I'll dick around yeah, on social media. Watch all, watch all 13 episodes of The Punisher in one day, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's... You get out of the house, then that's what you got to do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I get out of the house, but it's... I know what you mean. I'm not getting... Bottom line is, I, I don't do well when I'm comfortable. I do well when I live on the edge. This is who yeah. I am. I've got an intense personality. So I'm not a guy who can just sit around and be comfortable. That's like like a friend of mine was asking me, he goes, hey, man, how's that groin injury? And I go, you're not going to believe it, but it's 90% better because I, I went and got all these different treatments I just mentioned already. And then the guy's yeah. like, yeah, well, you know, I guess you're not the kind of guy that can just rest around. Ha ha. I was like, no, I'm not a fucking pussy. I'm not going to sit on my ass uh -huh. and rest around like a fucking twat. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I told that to the guy in the hospital. I was like, fuck the guy in the hospital. I was like, I'm talking about myself. I don't care what the guy in the hospital is doing. I, I was like, I pulled six plates over the weekend. He's like, you know, he's he's almost acting like that that like that was a dumb thing to do. I was like, hey, I did it because I wanted. I, I knew I was over this injury, and if I'm over the injury, I'm not going to be a guy who's gun shy. I was like, okay, I'm over the injury. I'm going back to what I did. I'm just going to be smarter Believe this time. I'm going to listen right. to warning signs. Yeah, mindset is is uh, key to all of it. Yeah. It's, you know, so we have to honestly I, I had a fear of lifting heavy after when this whole thing happened even when i started getting better i was I was so paranoid of pulling it again that when i was and then i got like you just got to get over that mentality man you got to get i mean this granted this was only two weeks not like this went on for six months so two weeks is nothing but you have this fear of okay i'm starting to feel better last thing i want to do is go back to where i was because it was i'm pretty good with pain but this was really bad this was really bad i couldn't even lie on the couch i couldn't even sleep every time i turned it hurt couldn't get off the couch Every time I sat up off the sofa, this pain would shoot up from the groin, which, as we all three know, is a very sensitive area to my pelvis. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> so when I started feeling a little bit better, I was like, all right, maybe I'll just do body weight stuff. Maybe I'll just dick around. But I I, I can't get into that. I'm not even going to get excited about going to the gym if I'm going there to do that. So it's like I got to start gonna getting do, back you do, to what I was like doing. 3,000 Hindu squats to get like, you know, because that's the direction it'll <laughs> yeah. go. I, I couldn't I couldn't do a Hindu squat if a gun pointed in my head during this groin injury. It was so painful. <laughs> yeah. 
Only now I started doing box squats. I started doing box squats with no weight, just a box. And that actually, and I'm not talking about a, a an organic box, folks. I'm talking about a wooden box at the gym. <laughs> uh, so I started doing that, and I, you know, I, I can't. I'll tell you what, Steve. I was happy to just be able to do that pain free. But I, I did ten reps. I was like, man, this feels great. When I finally start, I started doing deadlifts just below the knee, and I was I could go heavy there because it, it didn't hit that area so i was like oh i was happy about that i was like fuck yeah man you know even if i even if i can only do this this is something yeah. i can do pull-ups i can do upper body stuff i can do something you know i can't go sprinting which i love i can't do deadlifts off the floor right now certainly not deficit deadlifts but when i did deadlifts off the floor for the first time since this injury happened it was a, an incredible feeling i was like this is awesome man i can't even with lighter weights so like this just feels amazing the fact that i could do this pain-free so this this whole experience has made me just more grateful for health, and it's made me more empathetic to people that are in serious pain. Because a lot of times we meet people, and they're not in a good mood, and we're like, "Man, what that guy is such an asshole, or that that girl's a bitch." And a lot of times they're acting this way because they're in chronic pain. And when you're in chronic pain, it's hard to be in a good mood. So it's sometimes yes. now now when I run across someone who's got kind of a bad attitude or they're not cool. I check myself a little bit. I go, you know what? I don't know what's going on with them. You know, when yeah. my mother died, when my, when my mother died, I found out about it. I was in an orthopedic office because I had bad arthritis in my left elbow. So I went in there for a diagnosis and he gave me what a traditional doctor would say, which I knew was bullshit. So I wasn't worried about it. I knew I put a plan of action in play in my head as he was talking. But then I get in my car and I noticed that my dad had tried to call me 10 times, which he never does. I was like, wow, something serious must have happened. Now, I knew his dog was ill, so I was thinking, oh, you know, Charlie's, or what's his name, Chewy's probably died. You know, that sucks. So I was like, let me call him back. And he called me, and he's like, he's not a guy that knows how to build up. I mean, I don't know how you tell anyone their mother died in a way that's going to be less impactful. There's no real real way to say it except you say it, right? So he said it, and I was like, I can't believe what he just said. And then he said it again. So I was like, what? And he said it again. And it was a really horrible week for him because his wife and dog died within, I don't know, 24 hours of each other. And he was in the middle of nowhere in Canada in this place called Kitimat in British Columbia area. He wow. handles stress extremely well. I, I feel like you handle stress really well too, Steve, but you guys, you guys remind me of each other in, in a lot of ways because my, my dad is a guy who, if I were in his situation, there's no way I would have handled it. If my dog had died, I wouldn't have handled that as well. As he yes. did, but he handled it and he was obviously distraught and he was obviously sad and he was obviously crying, but he took charge of the situation yeah. and dealt with it Yeah. on his own. You know, I offered to fly up there. He's like, no, don't come up here. You know, I'm going to take care of this. I could tell he wanted to be on his own. He took charge of it. Yeah. So, but where I'm going with this is right after he told me that I was, I was going to be, I was going to go to the grocery store to get some things. And then I was like, well, I still need to go. So let me just go do it. But once I walked in there and uh, I just saw people and I was at, and then people like, Oh, can I help you find anything? I I was like, you know what? I got to get the fuck out of here. I can't deal with those common exchanges right now. Yeah. I I didn't even want to go to that cash register because the person there is going to say, how are you doing? And what am I supposed to say? Oh, I'm great. (laughs) So I just drove home. I was like, I need, I just need to drive home. I just need to deal with this. I can't try to sweep this under the rug. So where I'm going is you don't know what happened. Like I was at the Four Seasons one time waiting for Tim Larkin, and this, this lady walks in, and she obviously wanted to get my attention. So she looks at me, and she's like, smile. You're at the Four Seasons. It's Friday. And in my head, I was thinking, 
Like, you don't know what the fuck I'm going through right now. I mean, I wasn't going right. through anything at that moment. But what if, what if she said that to me right after my – what if I walked into Trader Joe's after finding out my mother had died and some fucking lady says, why do you have that grim look in your face? Smile. You know, you're at Trader Joe's. I, I, don't, I probably would have – like I, I probably would be in prison right now. I don't know what I, how I would have reacted you know, to something like that. So anyway, a long story is we don't Back know what's going on with people. Two buck check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just don't know what's going on with people. I'm not saying we should take shit from people. I'm not saying if someone's an asshole no. to you that you should just take it because they might be going through something. But I'm just saying right. take it into account when you respond. Yeah, we're all we're all doing our Especially best, and uh, everybody's suffering. What you have. Yeah, you, you know, know, like, yeah. you like don't we don't know the story. Have. We don't know the story. Exactly. Yeah, we don't know the story. Exactly. Um, it doesn't. Especially you know, guys, because guys don't look at women like you know, hey, smile. You know, it's like I can, I can honestly see why someone <laughs> would get so pissed off about that. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Okay. Well, the women <laughs> have the, going. Yeah, I mean, it's a point in time when the 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 pendulum is swinging because there's been so much of that, and now you know the Me Too and this this type of social right. phenomenon is bringing right. the discussion to where there's going to be a, a an overreaction and then there's probably going to at some point in the future there'll be a balance again but you know right. it's like now you can't be careful even starting a conversation because that could be construed as harassment yeah and, you know maybe it's a hate crime yeah. so hey, i mean don't true. be don't be too friendly and don't have conversations <laughs> right. there might be some subtle yeah, innuendos yeah deal so has a whole nice bit about that like D.L. Hughley's like, uh, D.L. like, hey, you look great. I mean, if that's okay with you. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's another reason why I'm happy to be married. I mean, other reasons, but, um, you know, like, there's definite advantages now to not being at least on the single market looking around and stuff because, like, Right. I would imagine. I don't know, man. I mean, I would imagine it would it's be a hard lot more now, man. I can just imagine trying to, you know, trying to be out there now because first oh, of all, cover. even good even feel like this dude here. even right after after uh, my it's hard. I started I mean, to like I've been out of the game so long. I was like, okay, I can get the background check. <laughs> 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 